Attention. They are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL Prime Time featuring Joe C. Son of a gun. Matt Hayes. His balls are different in person. Mia O'Brien. I don't know what they're doing. And Leon Searcy. Bringing you love, peace, and soul. I love the soul that surrounds the XL Primetime Toys for Tots Christmas. There's no doubt about it. I always use Leon's lines to get the show going because if you look around, there's definitely some soul uh, to seeing all the people show up with toys. And I got to say this right off the jump. As soon as I'm coming up to the Golf Club of Southampton, I see Big Surge walking up, and he's got his toys to donate to the Toys for Tots, and then Mia, and then Matt, and we've got so many others that have done it as well. Uh, big, this is a big crowd, isn't it? Yeah, it's a nice big crowd. Where you, uh, I, brought, I had to bring a toy. It's a, it's Heck a, yes. It's a season of giving. I gave a remote control Thunder Tumbler. <laughs> all right? Nice. Thunder Tumbler. goes through all four, four kinds of terrains. Wow. Water, dirt, Rock and grass. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm good. not gonna be able to follow that with the uh, Barbie <laughs> dolls that I showed up with. I don't think that that sounds nearly do as. Do you tough. know what uh, Bluey is, Leon? <laughs> yeah. Leon, do you know what Bluey is? Bluey is yes. Um, okay. Bluey is a cartoon that was on uh, Nickelodeon that my kids used to watch. Yes. The blue dog, right? No, yeah. no, no, no. And, no, and, that's not and, Bluey. That's, that's just Blue's blue. Clues. That's yeah. Blue's yeah, Clues. Okay, I w- okay. All and right. Bluey's I'm, new because I'll tell you, my youngest little grandbaby, uh, Libby, I call her Lemon. Lemon loves Bluey. They go nuts for Bluey. So I saw the Bluey, and I was like, well, this is an easy fix. Yeah, they go nuts. Now, we have the Marines here, and they're collecting the toys. And if, for whatever reason, you feel so compelled to make a donation, you can drop by here or you can drop by the station and leave it, and we'll make sure that it gets to one of the collection sites. But that's what it's all about is today and every single year we've been doing this, Matt, we have had countless people show up with toys, and that's what it's all about, smiles at Christmas time for the kids uh, and heck, uh, Derek and I and, and Martin from Palm Beach, we've been doing this bad boy for over long a dozen, time. like probably since that last Monday Night Football win. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably how long uh, this, you know, that we've been doing it. Anyway, it's a good feeling, and there's a lot of good people here. Beaver Toyota's got their hole-in-one set up. Sonny's is set up on one side. So thanks to Kathy and Shannon. Big Shannon's out there. Is that He's right? On 17th hole. Yeah, yeah. He's out. Yeah, and so, and then the – did they say 17? Is that where 17, they are? 17, yeah. Okay. And then the Ale House is set up on the other side, and we've got uh, just so many other great people. So we just say thanks to all of them. Uh, that's for sure for getting it done today. Uh, let's get into a few things as far as what's going on. Uh, we're going to hear from Trevor Lawrence. Now, just at least piece together, Mia, your, your logic, uh, because I do think it's good logic as far as just, you know, the idea of whether or not, or, or I shouldn't say whether or not he's hurt because he is. How serious is he hurt? Yes. Um, certainly the fact that the Jaguars have him on the weekly media schedule is a good sign. Yeah. Um, we have been very blessed in Jacksonville that because Trevor has been healthy the bulk of his career, we yeah. have not had a situation where the backup quarterback spoke at the podium outside of when he hasn't finished games. We've seen C.J. Beathard at the podium like we did Monday night. Um, but I can tell you, if you look across the league right now, Jake Browning's going to do an availability today mm-hmm. for the Cincinnati Bengals. Whoever is playing quarterback for the Browns will do an availability. Mitch Trubisky talked to reporters in Pittsburgh because he will be the starter on Thursday night football for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, New England, I'm not even going to get into because Belichick just loves to shroud things in secrecy. But the point is, is that whoever the starting quarterback is expected to be, unless it's a quote-unquote competition, they're on the PR media schedule. 
Trevor is on right. the schedule this week, right. which is a huge development because it all but assures that even if it's just gamesmanship, they are not ruling him out of Sunday's contest. Right. Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network went a little bit more in-depth this morning on Good Morning Football because he has a little bit more insight into what exactly this sprained injury is. And so according to him, it's a sprain to the ligament that connects the tibia and the fibula, which, of course, all of the Twitter doctors and the fantasy football doctors responded with yeah. which exact ligament it could, it could potentially be. But it is a sprain, not a tear, which, again, is huge, and that's why there is a chance yeah. Trevor could play on Sunday. So is it is it as simple as that he's out there in front of the media to explain what's going on and how he feels, or no. is this legit? He will talk. Or is this legit? Yeah, he's talking. That, no, no, I know, but I'm yeah. saying, but I'm saying, are you putting him out there because he's going to? You need him to be out there because he's the face of the franchise and he's hurt and he needs to explain what's going on, or is it legit that he's probably going to play? Yeah, because like, when you saw him yeah. walking off that field, oh yeah, it was big time pain. Walking down that tunnel, it and, didn't look like I was going to play and, the next and, week. And I'm not even going to suggest that he is going to play 100 percent or anything like that, but. What usually happens, there's no reason to put a hurt guy out there, Leon, no. to explain anything, correct? No, absolutely not. I can tell you what's probably going on because I was in this situation as well. When I, when I had a fracture in my thumb, there was a 24-hour cycle of treatment. I guarantee you that the, the training staff right now has a cycle of treatment on Trevor Lawrence where he's going through ice and stem and massage and all that other kind of stuff just to see if you can get him to the point to where – he can practice. Mm-hmm. If he can practice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you mm-hmm. make the decision yeah. on whether he's doubtful or questionable, and then you decide on whether you want he's, him to play yes, in the game yes, or not. So yes. that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. he's yeah. Honestly, that's what it boils down to mm-hmm. is just trying to figure out whether or not he can – it's the threshold of pain. It's the flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think brace-wise. I don't know whether they would add anything. No, it'll just be heavily taped yeah. from what I was yeah. told. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe an ankle brace, but that would be may, it. Yeah, maybe a spat on, on his shoe, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I see Bush Drive Rich on the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures, asking about – would he follow the same program Mojo did after his high ankle sprain back in the day, which was the hyperbolic chamber, constant rehab? The Athletic reported yesterday that I don't know exactly what the specifics, and neither did they, of what the rehab is. But whatever the nth degree is that Patrick Mahomes did last year mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. the AFC Divisional game and his injury in that game, that's what Trevor's following. Right, right. And that's what it boils down to. It's just trying to figure out the best way to approach it and not put him in harm's way. Let's think about this, okay? And we've talked about it. It's now down to a one-game lead in the AFC South. We all know that. Now, you can say, hey, come on, man. It's more than that because they've split. They split the Houston game, and then they – uh, obviously swept the Colts. Those are the two teams that are 7-5 and five right now, so you can definitely look at it a couple of different ways. But if they can make sure that they get themselves in a position to maybe let him rest but then take care of the rest of the games, because, Leon, if he sits one game, they got to have him back for Baltimore. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I, I, here's the thing about Trevor that I love so much about him. He's tough. And you probably want, and he understands that the magnitude of this season, that you just don't come this far to give away a game. Every game that you play in these next five weeks are playoff games. And right. I'm thinking, but do, do you sacrifice the, the rest of the season by bringing them back and playing the game? Yeah. Not saying we could lose, but, I mean, you're going up against a disruptive defense that gets after the quarterback with a left tackle who has yeah. Yeah, uh, min- exactly. minimum experience at that position. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's something that you've got to take into consideration. Yeah, you better believe it, man. And, and look, I, I, I know what's at stake. I know how important it is. But the last thing you want to do is risk him for one game 
and then be at risk for the next four games without him. I, uh, the problem is, is he is like a giant competitor. And I know, I know. you said about a lot of people, but he yeah. is a obsessive yeah. competitor. So yeah. he's going to want to go out there. He's going to want to play. He's always been that way. So, and I, I mean, it's going to be tough to take him off the field. And I don't think this is out there to say it, you know, like uh, dismissing anything. But logic would say if, he, if he's a hurt player and he's not going to be available, C.J. Beathard would be talking. Yes. C.J. Beathard would be talking. And we'll still probably get C.J. Beathard in the locker room. But, yeah. yes, this, uh, in my estimation, this is not a Joe Burrow situation like we saw after Thursday Night Football with his injury because that was a significant, like, hey, we're trotting yeah. Joe in so he can say goodbye right. for the rest of the year. This is not that sort of situation, right, to the best right. of my knowledge. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I, look, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, you'll be heading down there uh, later on when they have the uh, open locker room after the show. But uh, definitely want to keep an eye on T-Law and, and where he's at. Uh, Derek DiStefano, he had his eye on T-Law the other night as they as they had that Southampton crew rolling the tailgaters parking and then going to the Monday Night Football. And he's hosting us today uh, with our XL Primetime Christmas. Another great turnout, Derek. Unbelievable yeah, turnout, as, it's awesome. as always. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and to see the Marines up there with all the toys. And I told these, uh, these guys that we've been doing this longer than I think, uh, well, the last Jaguars win on a Monday night. <laughs> Okay, because the last two times they have not been successful on a Monday night. We, we did not own the club when they played last on Monday night. <laughs> and won. <laughs> and won. But uh, just a real quick thanks to you. And, and you know, it's a feel-good day is really what it is. Unbelievable as always, yeah. like I said. And uh, it's just a pleasure to have you guys here whenever we can have you here. Yeah. And uh, amongst great people, a beautiful day. Might be a little chilly for me anyway. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But well, you northeast In the sun, it feels yeah. great hey, right yeah. now. I've been here for 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. Your bones <laughs> have gotten me. Yeah, yeah. You get a little colder a little faster, that's for sure. All right, well, listen, thank you for hosting us, and uh, we're looking forward to our opening announcements and then heading out to the tee. You guys are the best. Thank uh, you. All right, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, it for sure. All right, so when we get uh, you know ready for that, you know, we'll keep an eye as the storyline goes along uh, today. But Trevor Lawrence, if you had to, and maybe J.J. could set up an X poll, if you had to, to sit him down for one game to make sure that he was there for the next four games. You know, how would you play this? What's the smartest way to play this? You, you can't count on a win. You can't. No, but you also, I mean, you also can't count on the ankle. You also can't count on your offensive line that, frankly, is not playing that well right now. Right. And, frankly, might not have Walker Little either for yeah, that matter. Very so true. You, very there's true. A, there's a lot of other things. You also don't have your most consistent receiver out there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff going into this right now that I think, you know, has to be addressed but at the very least i think at the top of the list is if he wants to play he's going to play yeah exactly and that's what he is he's 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 not going to just sit out because it's the right thing to do he's going to suck he's going to play because he wants to play all right and i'm not even gonna like i am doing this but i'm not going to do this if that makes sense i'm not going to compare him to deshaun watson when it looked like deshaun was making sure that his body was 100 percent good to go before he came back out and then it turns out he actually played hurt and went down so right. you know there, there there's arguments plus and minus on all these guys on what they're willing to do to win. Now, Deshaun already had his guaranteed money, so you'd say, wait a minute, he, he plays not, not at risk of that next big contract. Trevor is at risk of that next big contract. You have to, you have to be smart. You have to at least be a little smart here. I think he wants yeah. to play it, and, and will play. Knee, maybe. He's yeah. a, but, you know. Yeah, he's not. He's not thinking about that contract. He care less. Yeah, he's thinking about I, the playoffs. Yeah, he's not who he is. What he's thinking about is the fact that uh, th- th- these opportunities come few and far, and there's no guarantee that somehow next year we're going to be back in this position. Right now, you said the four seed. You went out. You got an opportunity to be the one or the two seed if you went out. Yeah. That's what he's thinking. We, we we're close. 
and we, we can't afford to lose in the game. If yeah. anything, I think, Leon, to your point, I think if they had won Monday night, maybe that opens a little bit of you a lead. You better believe it. Yeah. That, that's, believe the, it. that's the True. bigger thing for me. I think if they had won and they're in control of that one yeah. seed, that's where maybe you see Trevor say, okay, dial it back a little bit. Yeah. But because it's do or die – that, because, that's part of why. Yeah, because then at that point you you have the one number one seat in your hands, but you're probably not going to hang on to it if you're putting if you're putting him on the bench. But at the same time, you're that much closer to making sure that you have the division locked up. That is the I mean, second most important thing right now. You're also, fr- quite frankly, without him, that much closer to losing again, and you're, the playoffs are getting right. You start that the window starts to close a little bit. Yeah. I know JJ said, "Well, they're in." There's, there's no doubt they're in. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's, it's the NFL, man. Yeah, it is and, the NFL. And, and think about this, because you're basically trying to claw your way to another home game. The only way you get that is with your AFC South division title. That's how you get it. Do you is want a home it? playoff game? I mean, do you really want yeah. the way you've been playing at home? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, great for the fans, obviously. Yes, I do but want the a way home you've playoff been, game. Right, the way you've been but, playing at home is just yeah, brutal. It, it, look, it, it stinks the way things have gone, that's for sure. I'll, I'll – Totally agree with you there, but it's just a matter of just trying to make sure that they they take advantage of the of the teams that they are playing down the stretch. There are I know nothing is a guarantee, but they are playing a wounded Browns team, a not so good Bucks team, a not so good Tennessee team, a not so good Carolina team. You know, those are the teams they're playing. Tennessee's but, at four wins. But Leon wins. can say this: you, if you're not consistent in your preparation, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Right. That's, that's to to right. me, it just looks like they're not consistent in what they're doing. Yeah. Not only their prep, but when they're on the field, they're mentally and physically. It just doesn't look like they're there all the time. And here's my history: when it comes to teams that are out of the playoffs and they have nothing to play for, they usually play like they got something to do. They always play spoiler. They're going to mm-hmm. play above and beyond. Their, their own talents or expectations. So when you can look at the Tampa Bays and the Panthers and the Titans and the Browns or whoever, and I'm just telling you, they would love nothing more than to close out the season of giving Jacksonville a loss. Plus, so everybody's got, got dudes playing for money. Absolutely. Everybody mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Very, um, very true. But you also got dudes that, that close it in. There's plenty of times I had guys call me and shutting say, it down. I'm shutting it down. Big <laughs> yeah. We ain't got about a couple of games left. Well, yeah, and, and that's kind of that's kind of what I'm I'm looking at with a Tennessee team at the end of the year. Tennessee can be a spoiler to Jacksonville, depending on you know seeding wise. That certainly they could have a factor in it. But by that time, you're hoping that that is not a I got to seal up the AFC South game. You better hope that's not what you're down to. Well, if anything, and the boys on Jags today were talking about this. You look at that Colts-Texans matchup at the end of the year, and I am sure the national media would love to tell you that that will be for the division because mm. who knows what's wrong with Trevor. I think that's going to be a play in, a win and in situation for whichever one of those teams is trying to vie for a wild card mm-hmm. spot because I think undoubtedly, whether you believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers or Cleveland Browns or Cincinnati Bengals or not, mm-hmm. one team in addition to the Ravens is coming out of the AFC North. So that's going to be one wild card Based spot. on how things are playing, yeah. Mm-hmm. You would think the Bills will figure into this coming off of a bye, you would assume, knowing mm-hmm. their winning pedigree. That's two out of the East. That's two. And then you would figure an AFC South team is going to make it in by virtue of both those teams having schedules that are softer than Charmin mm-hmm. down the stretch. Yeah. With that said, I don't see a world in which both of them go 5-0. and oh, And so how many do they lose and who do they lose to, I think, is going to be critical because they both have to play each other, obviously, and both of them still have to play the Titans as well. And the Texans have to play the Titans twice. So that obviously could be a feather in their cap. Or to your point, Leon, maybe the Titans say, no, we're going to play spoiler to the Texans. Yeah, I mean, mean, the reason why we're even considering playing Trevor with a high ankle sprain is because the Colts are 7-5 and and the Texans are 7-5. Virtually, you you can't – there's no margin for error. You've got to win these games. You've got to win out. 
Uh, yeah. Or you don't want to find yourself either losing the division or have to get in as a wild card. So, I mean, the fact that those two teams are 75 one game behind us puts even more pressures on Jacksonville to make a decision on whether they're going to play Trevor or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I don't want to dismiss any of these guys. Like there, there was a question that was asked earlier. Is there going to be an NFC South team that's going to win with a 9-8 and eight record or an 8-8 eight and eight record or who the heck knows what is – or not an 8-9 eight, an eight and nine record. In other words, below 500. Right, right. Because – the Atlanta Falcons, the New Orleans Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in just a little foot race for mediocrity, which is they're going to be somewhere around 500 and then ultimately figuring out which one of those is going to win. Now, if the Tampa Bay Bucks Christmas Eve are fighting at the top of the NFC South, you don't think they're going to give Jacksonville a hell of a game? They are. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they are. And so you're going to go from Browns, Ravens, Bucks, And at the very least, those three, even though – you got maybe average quarterback play with Baker. You've got obviously El Bookie and how dynamic that, that team is as a whole right now. And then you don't know what you're getting uh, performance-wise from the quarterback with the Cleveland Browns, but you are getting that Browns defense. They are top two. I want to say top two in sacks as far as affecting well, the quarterback. The number one overall yeah, yeah, I was thinking of the, like one of those pressure rate stats. But anyway, yeah, number one overall. And by the way, I was thinking they're two in one category and Baltimore's number one in that in that pressure rate category so no matter how you look at it stat wise those are two fronts that are going to be difficult here's something interesting that one of our nooners just sent me on twitter because we're talking about all the teams chasing the jaguars and the jaguars should be concerned about who's nipping at their heels yeah how about the three teams in front of them right now let's look at their remaining schedule right so the dolphins who are currently the number one seed in the afc host the titans on monday night monday night football then they host the jets then they have to play the cowboys ravens and bills to end the season. Now, you look at the Chiefs. Bills, Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers, who we know can always be a little feisty even if they somehow find a way to mess it up at the end. And the Ravens have the Rams, the Jaguars, the Niners, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. So, there's also that side of the coin as well that those three teams could yeah. certainly have a competitive finish that they lose three of five. Try. One of them loses four of five, and that also shakes up the AFC standings. All right, so you guys will tear into that and take a look at all the different uh, scenarios and definitely uh, get our folks involved. Six four one ten ten. You can hit the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. YouTube camera is up, so you can go to YouTube and search 1010XL and uh, go that way. I am going to turn to you all loose as we get ready for the national anthem. And the cool thing is that the Marines – We'll present the uh, the colors, the colors, which is just awesome. Yep. So we are happy to be here. You guys have it the rest of the way. High school half hour coming up later on with Toby Bullock. It is XL Primetime from the Golf Club of Southampton. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So some transfer portal news out of Gainesville. Princely Umamielin, their leading sack guide for this season, their best pass rusher has entered the portal, did not go to the NFL, did not declare for the NFL, I should say. My guess is he probably didn't get a good uh, re- review from the NFL Draft Advisory Board, so he's out of Gainesville. Um, where he's headed, no one knows. His brother, Prince Will, plays at Nebraska. I don't know if he's going to go to Nebraska, but he is. That's a that's a loss for Florida. There's no, there's no other way to look at that. You can spin it however you want. That's their best guy off the edge. Um, it's also a guy who's been there now for four years who, who – who you would think would be bought in to what Billy Napier is selling. And right now when you've got older guys that are leaving, that's an issue. That's an issue as well as you've got guys that just aren't playing that well. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now in Gainesville. Also, 
a huge development yesterday that we didn't get into because it was after our show. It uh, was Patrick, late last night. Yeah, Patrick Payton, uh, Florida State's very talented D end. Um, long guy, good pass rusher, going to be a hell of an NFL prospect, is also in the transfer portal. Any ideas, leads, as to where they potentially could both be headed? Because I know one point that Rick Ballou made last night during crosstalk between helmets and heels and into the night was that perhaps Patrick Payton is using this as leverage to get more money from Florida State. I would not think that's the case with Princely. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it could be for both, actually. Um, but, but I will say this. I, I think these guys, it's, it's two things. It's money, of course. But I also think these guys want to go play with specifically Princely. He wants to go play and win games. He wants to go win a championship and make money. So if he can do both, that's fantastic. I mean, who wants to be around a program that loses more than you win, that just you go out there and you don't really have an idea of, you know, if you have a chance or not? These guys want to go out every game, and Leon could speak to this, knowing you've got a chance where you are going to win. And there's just a lot. And, and these guys also, here's another thing, too. If you all don't think those Florida players know what's going on with their coach, if you don't think they know that their coach is in a make-or-break season now next year, and, and you know if he if he's if it doesn't happen next year then he's out and then everything starts over again. Of course they do. So there's a lot going on right now. Well, I mean in Princely's situation, I mean no matter no matter how dynamic he is as a pass rusher, if the defense struggles, it compromises your draft status anyway. If you're on the defense, like you say, is getting run through water, getting points put up on it, and you're the leading sacker sacker in, in the de- in a poor defense, I mean that's that that compromise that compromises your draft status as well, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, and the I, wins I, and losses too. I mean, nobody, no matter how well you're doing, in the game, and no matter how well, well you're doing individually as a player, yeah, if you're still losing football games yes. and you're giving maximum effort, that's, that's frustrating. That's and that's yes. the point I want to make. It and, and I'm not dumping on Florida. I'm not you know ripping Florida, but when you lose games, people don't want to be part of teams that lose. Mm-hmm. They want out. They want to win games and make money because I've said this over and over. Everybody has the same amount of money, basically. These guys can get money from other places. So you go to a place where you can not only get money, but you got a chance to win games and win a championship. All you got to do is next year, 2024's draft for April, look at the teams that are that, – look at the, 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 the look football at the teams Leon. that they're going to be drafting, the, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the uh, LSUs, all, all, the Ohio States, all those – the Washington, all those guys. If you look in the draft, in the top – when they pick the, the first round of the draft, you're going to see – uh, the same, the same, the same teams be, being drafted. You're going to see the same teams, Leon. Yeah. But you're also going to see guys that transferred to those teams. Yeah, yeah. That's the point that we're at. I mean, mm. I, that's why I said if you just look at quarterbacks, Bo Nix mm. transferred, Michael Penix Jr. transferred, mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel. We touched on that in yesterday's program. Transferring again to an elite program in Oregon that was on the verge of the college football playoff. Let alone you go down the list of the Alabamas and the Georgias, and I understand Jalen Milrow and Carson Beck at their positions are anomalies right now in college football in which they were recruited to that school and stuck there. And so that's why, you know, we are just entering this age, though, where I look at both of these, and the Princely one is so fascinating because so many people were high on him as an NFL prospect down the line because he truly is a prospect because perhaps he was not developed to the nth degree at the University of Florida. But I look at it and say, are they not trying to barter? And are we approaching that step in the NIL world in which they're Mm -hmm. saying, okay, fine, you you know, you won't give me this amount of money. I'll go in the portal and get Uh, money from someone else. And then if LSU comes back and says to Princely, I'll give you one mil. And then he goes back to Florida and says, Billy, can you do better? Of course. That's that's Mm -hmm. 100% where we are. And I want to make this very clear to everybody. If you're in the portal – you can go back to your school unless, unless, and a lot of coaches will do this, 
once you leave, your scholarship's gone. They have, you're, they'll give it to someone else, and they'll tell you that. If you're leaving, we're using your scholarship on someone else. Now, I don't know if they would do that with an elite player, you know, like a Jaden Daniels who clearly is going to the NFL. But, but uh, I mean, I, here's another thing you have to understand. When you're in the portal, you are in the portal. It doesn't mean you have to make a decision on a school over the next 30 days. You're in. You don't have to make a decision about a school until the f- classes start in August. So it's not like you've got to make a decision, okay? This is like another recruiting situation. So the more these guys hold out, the more they're looking for the best deal. And we saw some big quarterbacks announce early that they were going to enter the transfer portal. And they did, a guy like Riley Leonard. And right now they're waiting for their right deal. And I, don't, I, I think this is awesome. I think it's great. I think it's more power to the players, which I love. Um, and it's just it's going to get more and more because of what the NCAA did yesterday when their proposal is to let universities pay players any amount they want anytime to keep them. So now you're talking about straight pay-for-play, pay which is coming. Of course, then, you know, Chris Dodd, the senator from Connecticut, then said, okay, it's time to start seeing what the National Labor Relations Board can do and to make these guys official employees, which then would mean they can barter like a CBA. So then you'd have a CBA in college football. So all of this stuff is starting to come to a head right now. And it's right now it's the wild, wild west out there. Anybody can leave anytime they want. They can barter for another deal anytime they want, however they want, with whoever they want. And, and I think if, if college football is smart, they will get their arms around this. And this is why I think actually Charlie Baker, the new, the new NCAA president, did this for, for a reason. I think he wants now players to have a collective bargaining so they can get their arms around this thing because right now they can't get their arms around it. Now, is, is, is that the last thing that the, the universities want is to, for them to unionize? Yeah, because then they have to share the money. They yeah. have to share the revenue. That's, that's, a, that's an issue, but I think they're looking bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And bigger picture is if you don't get your arms around this and the idea of where these guys are going and what they're being paid, you will literally have two or three or four teams that can pay more than anybody else, well, and then they're going to win everything every year. Yeah, because right now it's, it's like uncapped season. I mean, there's yeah. no cap on what a guy on can anything. get paid at anything. And it's, free, yeah. and, it's, and, it's, and it's free agency, and there's no rules to free agency. Mm-hmm. So they're going to, at some point, have to follow an NFL-type model as far as the CBA, as far as, I don't know if you call it free agency, whatever you want to call it, transfer rules. But you've got to put some kind of guardrail in place, and the only way to do that is to collectively bargain with them. So we are headed there. There's no doubt we are headed there. And I know you guys out there are saying, I hate it. It makes college football like the NFL. Suck it up because that's where it's going, and there's no other way. There's it, no going back now. It, it is like the NFL. I mean, it's semi-pro to the NFL. It's the it's the farm league to the NFL. Absolutely, they're making billions of dollars. Come on, huh? The if money they make on the on the television rights. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 the second most sport, watched sport in America right now. If there's behind any, the NFL. yeah, if there's any part of this that I can bring back to the on the field, and I brought this up on helmets and heels last night as we found out about uh, Patrick Payton live. I couldn't help but see it, Leon, and think, if you're Alabama, if you're Texas, can you not go to him and say, look, you went 13-0. You did all you – or 12-0, excuse me. You did all you po- – or 13-0, yes, because the ACC championship. You mm-hmm. did all you possibly could to make it to the college football playoff, and you were still left out because you were the champions of the ACC. Are we now approaching also a territory in which teams are pitting conferences against each other in order to convince someone to transfer and come to yeah, I mean, quote-unquote more superior yeah, conference. Yeah, absolutely. The SEC, I mean, has always had leverage, you know, because they, they, they have the spotlight. I mean, they're, they're the best conference in, the, in college football. And if you got a guy who, who's, who went to Florida State and, 
and you know left out of the college football, you can absolutely lose it as leverage. I, I wouldn't see why you couldn't. I mean, because I mean, you're you're going to get the grand stage. You're going to play the big teams. You're going to go up against the best linemen. You're going to get best offenses. And if he shines the way he shined at Florida State, absolutely, he's going to make money. So that that's the bottom line. The bottom line, I tell guys, listen, if you got an opportunity to make it, make that money, make it. Yeah, of course. I, I don't I, look. Here's another thing too: is what the universities are hoping is that this this rule that the NCAA has passed is they're hoping that the money that boosters typically give the athletic departments for you know facilities and and scholarships and everything is all going to go to this. Mm. So that's going to kind of like hide the shell of this is the TV revenue money. But if they think players are just going to forget about the TV revenue money, mm-hmm. especially with the $1.5 billion annual playoff that's coming up next year, no way. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So there, it, it's go- it, there will be some kind of change as far as structurally how they pay players in college football. It could be in a year, two years, but it's coming very soon. Other news from around the college football world. Johnny Wilson will enter the NFL draft, not the transfer portal uh, from, from Tallahassee. Surprised by that, Matt? Not surprised. And knowing his performance on the field this season, I know as soon as we posted it on our 1010XL channels, we had plenty of even Knowles fans sounding off and saying, well, with his brick hands, we'll see how he fares in the yeah, NFL draft on. process. Come on. So they're going to say it's about everybody that that leaves for the NFL because they're going to have a lot of guys leaving for the well, NFL. Well, no, I think it's just because of Johnny Wilson's drop rate at times this year. Uh, all right. I mean, Johnny Wilson did a lot for that program over the last two years. So I, I, I that's it's a loss for them. It's absolutely a loss for them. So so it's just like Benson will be a loss for them, just like Keon Coleman will be a loss for them. So I, I just think Florida State right now, fortunately, is at the point where they're recruiting really well in, in high schools. So they can now start to build organically. They recruited well last year. They're in top three this year. So the idea of Florida State now having to lean on the portal, they will go to the portal. They will sign a quarterback in the portal. I can guarantee you that. But they're not as portal-centric right now. And I think that's where Mike Norvell wanted to get. And right now he's there. He's, I mean, he literally, his plan, he nailed it right down the middle when he started with the portal because he knew the FSU brand wasn't as big as it was before and players didn't weren't really thrilled about going there. So he starts it from the portal. They start to win, and then it starts to turn in high school recruiting. And he's, I mean, he's done a remarkable job there. Number three recruiting class in the country yeah. as of this writing. Uh, Miami's number five, yes, mm-hmm. no, yeah. Number five, and, yeah. Uh, and that other team in Gainesville mm. still holding on they're at number four. six, I believe, right? Or six now. Oh, yeah, really, they are down to six now? Both of them now yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. now they're down to six. Um, let's stay with – with the Gators real quick, Matt, because obviously Princely is far from the first name to go into the portal. My bigger question is, if you're Billy Napier, do you hire the OC before or after early signing day? Because, like, philosophically, not not even if you have intel, but, like, philosophically, like, where are teams at right now? Because we see Texas A&M make a hire this morning, or a huge splash this morning, hiring, hiring Colin Klein from Kansas State. Colin Klein, yes? Yes. So we have Chris Kleeman, Kleiman and Colin Klein. Correct. Both at Kansas State, and Colin Klein played at Kansas State. That's Correct. a fun one. Really that's a huge – That's a, Yes, that's a huge splash as the OC for our boy Mike Elko at Texas A&M. He opts to hire his OC before early signing day, which part of it is he's creating an entirely new staff. Should Florida be following a similar model? So here's the problem with what, what Florida's dealing with right now is – you know, can you get an OC when the reality is your head coach is winter walk right now next year? So can you tell this guy, yeah, you know, we're going to be here for three years, when he doesn't know if he's going to be here for three years. He doesn't know if he's going to be there for three weeks into the season at that point. So I, I, that's difficult, number one. But to your point is, 
Should he do it soon? Yeah, but I and I've been saying this all not for the last two weeks since the season ended. I'm not so sure he's going to hire an offensive coordinator. I'm not so sure he's going to hire a quarterback's coach or a play caller. He still believes what he does is right. He still believes that if they get the right players in there, they're going to be fine. Look, that's his belief. That's his philosophy. He is, look, I'm go, if we're going down, I'm going down with who I trust and I trust me. And I get all of that. But, you know. Is it you, not you, a life you, raft? It's not, just, it's not just a portal either. It, it's because there's a chance they could flip Jeremiah Smith, who's the number one player in the country. He's at Ohio State, the wide receiver uh, from down south. They could flip him. He's been he's been on that campus. I don't know how many times in the last three or four months. Um, and there's some, you know, there's a little uncertainty at Ohio State right now. There's a little uncertainty not only with what's going on with all those players leaving for the leaving for the NFL and the portal, but you don't know if Ryan Day is going to be there. Ryan Day might go to the Bears, and, and you know when Black Monday hits, he might be the next Bears coach. So they've got an opportunity to flip that kid. And if that kid wants to see well what's going on offensively. You know, I'll, I'll go there with DJ Lagway. That sounds great, but who's calling the plays? What's the offense looks like? I don't know. So they're all. You're in this situation right now. If you're Billy Napier, you are. I'm going down with me. If I'm going down, the ship's going down. I'm going down with me, and that's that's the decision he's made. Will he hire a special teams coordinator? I would. I would think he would. But okay. we'll see. Again, what's again, more likely? What's, ta- which I, is more likely? Look, I say this all the time. Stubborn coaches get fired. Simple as that. And he's a guy who believes completely in what he does. So, what I think he's going to hire a special teams coach, I mean, on optics alone, I would think he's going to hire a special teams coach just to, like, soothe the fan base a little bit. Um, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put him past him off. He said, oh, our system works. You know, we're going to get the right guys in here and everything will be great. I, w- I would think optics alone. Even with a back-to-back five and seven seasons, he sees no changes that's necessary. That's what I'm saying. That's- that's baffling to me, man. Hayes. Bro, there are a lot of coaches like that. You know that. You uh, played for coaches like that, I'm sure. No, I did not. No? <laughs> no. You never played for a coach who, who knew he was, <clears throat> what he was doing was right, and that's it? I, pre- I played for Hall of Fame coaches. But <laughs> they've got gold jackets right now. None of those like late, N- late no, career guys? No, no, Right, because it was Billick? The, uh, well, I had well, Billick and Wanstead was my last two coaches. And Wanstead, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Optics alone, though, yeah. wouldn't that mean – like, I just don't understand. Like, it's a life raft, if nothing else. It buys you time. Or is it waving a white flag, hiring an OC? Like, no, I don't I – don't, no, I don't think it's waving a white flag. I mean, he's – it's – it's. here's the thing for him. He knows he's in a position right now where he probably could have been fired after this year. So he knows next year is it. That's it. Like, Florida doesn't care about 20 – 20 whatever it is, 25 million left to pay him. They'll do it right a check immediately. They don't care. So he knows he's got to win. So I don't I – don't, look, I, I think it's one of two things. Either he truly believes what he's doing is right, okay, and he could put it out there, look, I was right about Graham Mertz, and Graham Mertz played well. Again, that's up to your – whatever you, whatever, we had somebody whatever on you the think, whatever you think played well is. Okay, say they should go get Riley Leonard. I hate but, to uh, inform them of that reality. But, but my point but is yes. that, that, that he believes – what they're doing is right. You know, they were scoring. He said it in his press conference after those losses. You know, the offense is getting better. We're scoring points. You know, we're just a couple plays away. We're, you know, we're a couple things away from turning this thing. And he believes in what he's doing. Well, That's the key. Well, I mean, he can believe in what he's doing all he wants, but the optics say different. And how do you convince a quarterback? Or see, how do you flip guys when they're looking at the product? They're looking at the record. They're looking at where they lie offensively, nationally, and in the SEC. The optics alone say that you need to change, but he, he, he's staying the same. Well, I, look, I, I, if you haven't seen who he is in <clears> two <throat> years, you know who he is. Yeah. You know what he's all about. He, he believes he's doing the right thing. Look – 
Mike Novell was no different. He believed in everything he was doing. Mm-hmm. And there were people saying, are you crazy? You can't build a, a team through the portal in his first couple of years. And look what he did. Look yeah. where they are right now. So I'm not, I'm not saying this, that Billy Napier is completely wrong. All I'm saying is so far you've got two really, really average to bad seasons of track record right now. Mm. So what happens in year three? He's been saying all along, we're, we're turning, it's turning, it's turning. You can't take three years for it to turn. And my part of it, too, is that Mike Norvell also, and again, I I know there's plenty of you out there that want to blame Dan Mullen, and go ahead, blame Dan Mullen for stopping to recruit. But the reality is that Mike Norvell was handed not only a situation in which he had a talent-deficient roster, he had a roster that couldn't get academically eligible. He had to hit the portal. He had no choice because he didn't have guys that could legally play, according to NCAA bylines. And so that is part of why Mike Norvell faced so much more of an uphill battle, I think, than Billy Napier. Because at the very least, now Billy's gotten to a point where all of his guys are there. So that is why you need to see the results, I think, quicker in the context of Billy Napier's reign in terms of where we are right now in terms of I mean, timeline than you did for Mike Norvell. Like 67 of the 85 scholarship players were his guys. This right. Year. That's what I'm saying. So, so it's, it's, he, I don't think you can use that excuse. You just can't. And you can't blame Dan Mullen. Because, look, we see it all along now in the portal era. Guys come in first year, they, they flip it immediately, and they start winning immediately. So, again, that's what that's the point I'm making with earlier this year when we were talking about Billy Napier and what do you do. You can put it off. You can put it off another year, and then you're another year behind. If, if you see what you see in, 50, in 25 games and you think, all right, well, yeah, I, got, I have a good feeling about this guy, and, and we'll keep him, and everything will be good, and he'll turn around and win nine games next year. Well, you were saying the same thing after last year that he was going to turn around and win nine games. And I know there are people out there saying you just can't fire coaches. Well, you can if they're not winning. You can if you see a track record of a guy who's not winning. So now you've signed on for another year of, well, it may not work. And if it doesn't work, then what? Then you're another year behind, and now Texas and Oklahoma come in the SEC, and now the dynamics change in the league again. So it's uh, – look, it, they're, they're both taking chances. Florida for keeping him. And Billy Napier for how he's, if he does, and I'm not saying he's going to, but if he doubles down and says what I'm doing is right. The Gators on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, which, of course, we'd love to hear from all of you. 641-1010 is the number to reach us at as we come at you live from the Golf Club at Southampton for our Toys for Tots annual golf outing. Josie, on the course, uh, maybe we'll get a call in live from him. But speaking of Gators, uh, on the subject of Josie, several of you are chiming in and saying, that the offense wasn't the issue in Gainesville this year. It was the defense. To which I say, okay. you, you ditched two of your DC, two of your defensive assistant coaches, who one of whom is considered one of the best recruiters over the last 10 years in college football. You retain your D.C., who's certainly first-timer, 30 years old. Billy Napier has drawn a line in the sand, Matt and Leon, and said, this is who I'm riding with, and this is whose philosophy is right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I've been saying all along. He, this is, these are his guys. This is what he's doing. Um, he, it's the young guys. He keeps saying, we're young, we're young, we're young. Well, you're getting, you know, 23, 24 more young guys right now. And, and you've got to hit the portal for, to, to fill in significant spots. Your offense line's terrible. Terrible. You saw it, Leon. Mm-hmm. So w- what, what do you do then at Florida if, you're, if you have a bad offensive line, if, if your defense throughout the entire 11 is shaky? The only guy on that defense that really could play was Jason Marshall. And he's, in, he's literally out there – one and ten other guys running around. So he's got, they've got no pass rush, so he's out there on an island by himself. Jason Marshall's going to be a really good pro in the NFL. Um, you still so think he's a day one, day two pick, contrary I, to what some I, others I think say. he's probably day two. 
more like more than more than day one, but he's going to be a good pro. Um, it's just look, their defense needs a ton of help. Their offense needs someone on the outside other than Trey Wilson, who may or may not leave, um, to do something to to be able to 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 create conflict on the defense. They don't have guys like that. That's the problem right now. And yeah, you know, and, and them fine. They're there two defensive staff members. Let lets me know. There, there had to be some tension between those two, those two guys mm-hmm. and the new defensive coordinator. There had to be times within the season where those two defensive staff members are saying, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Had to be. Well, if Corey Raymond leaves, Corey Raymond's one of the best recruiters yes. in the country. Mm-hmm. He's also one of the best DB coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. He leaves. You've got to know something's going on. Yeah, yeah, you fire those two guys because the defensive coordinator doesn't want to be questioned at some capacity during the season. I'm sure those guys, with their experience – they had questions for the guy about what he was doing, and he didn't like it. And so that's, that's how those two guys got fired, and he was kept on, kept on board, Which I'm thinking. The argument from Gator fans is their DBs were bad this year, mm-hmm. and Corey Raymond didn't have any commits in this upcoming cycle. No, their DBs were probably the best part of that defense this year. But, the, but if you can't get a pass rush, those guys are going to die out there covering Correct. for five, six, seven seconds. Their DBs were literally the best part of their defense. Right, and they were all how old? Uh, 18, 19, young. They're all 20 young. years They're old? They're all young other than, par- other than Marshall, yeah. Marshall was the only one. Other than that, they were trying out a bunch of freshmen. Let's get it back to the NFL in the 1 o'clock hour. Some news out of New York. Zach Wilson is the starter again for the New York Jets. It's Groundhog Day. They will face the Houston Texans on Sunday. We'll preview that one as well as your Jaguars, who will travel to Cleveland to face the the Cleveland Browns. Wow, Ohio, Cleveland, Cincinnati, back-to-back weeks, throwing me for a loop. Our poll question of the day brought to you by Beaver Toyota on X. Would you risk playing Trevor Lawrence this weekend versus the Browns if he is not 100%? With 378 votes casted, boys, 71.7% of Nooner Nation say they would not play Trevor Lawrence this weekend against the Cleveland Browns. Let's discuss coming up next right here on XL Primetime live from the Golf Club at Southampton. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. One o'clock hour is here on an absolutely gorgeous day at the golf club at Southampton. Mia O'Brien, Matt Hayes, Leon Searcy. Joe C. is out on the course enjoying our annual Toys for Tots Golf Classic in conjunction with our friends at Palm Beach Autographs, the good folks, Derek DeStefano here at Golf Club at Southampton. Tons of other friends of 1010 out on the course, including our guy Shannon Snell, the Florida All-American, and Sonny's Barbecue out on Hole 17. Matt, what are they serving up out there? Are they actually feeding the golfers? Pork and sausage. And, yeah, they got all kinds of stuff out there, maybe man. Beans. I'm a, a sausage guy. Yeah, yes, I'll, Hack would love it out here. I want him to bring a little bit over here to uh, to the clubhouse where we're currently situated. And a lot of other friends and goodies out there. We would love for you to stop by and bring a goodie. Golf Club at Southampton Clubhouse. We are collecting toys for tots. The Marines are standing by. If you saw on our social channels, we posted we've already got tons of toys, but we would love for even more for children who are in need this holiday season. If you can't make it out here to the SJC, you can also drop it off at 1010XL World Headquarters on Hogan Road, and we will then get those toys to the Marines in due time. Before we shift it back to your Jacksonville Jaguars, we need to get to a couple that uh, J.J. LaSalva back at 1010XL World Headquarters has questions about some of the rumors that are being sent to us on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Well, it's the, so Ed Orgeron is, is being rumored to be a, a, a hire for Billy Napier at Florida. 
to coach the D-line. He's great. I'm glad you don't have that Ralph Salafush who never got past number one. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, if I'm Scott Strickland, I highly, highly, highly support that move by Billy Napier because once he's fired midseason, then you've got a guy who has experience being the interim coach at both LSU and USC and did a really good job in both instances. So, if, I should say, if Billy Napier's fired Midseason next year, you got a guy that's done it before, so yeah, why not? And then not? Billy O would be the head coach, if only. The and then Eddie O, right? Eddie O is your next Gators. Of coach. the Florida Gators, <laughs> uh, I don't think any of you Gator fans that are currently sounding off on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures would have any beef with that. Yeah, I think they just want to win. I think they're so they're they're so. Like, Eddie's a winner, right Leon. Yeah, absolutely, he's a guy, friend of the show. Absolutely love Eddie O. Yeah, friend of the program. Yeah, he won a national title. Yes. Plus, imagine him saying, "Go Gators." Like, how good would that be? Uh, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it already. <laughs> it, would, uh, it, it would be pretty good. So, real quick to our guys in the text line who said we don't know what we're talking about. So, the Florida's best guys in the secondary are all freshmen or sophomores, all of them, except for Jason Marshall, Jakeem Jackson, uh, Deshaun Johnson, Sharif Denson. These guys Castell. are all young guys, Castell. They're all young dudes. Mitchell, those are the guys that are the key to that defense. The rest of those guys – they're just guys right now. I think they got potential. There's certain guys. I think T.J. Searcy is going to be a really good player. I think he's got. I think Cameron James is going to be a really good player. They've got potential. out there, There's no doubt. But you've got a lot of young dudes out there, and a lot of like you know upperclassmen, a few upperclassmen that aren't any good, and and that's the problem why they gave up so many points. You've got it's a bad combination of young guys that are still learning and upperclassmen that aren't any good. That are just guys out there, and that's a dangerous, dangerous combination that leads to historically bad defense. So to our point, yes. Two well, red, I mean, two redshirt juniors may have seen the bulk of the playing look, time. That doesn't necessarily look, mean they were the answer for a struggling. Any, anyone, anyone who thinks that Jaden Hill and, and Jalen Kimber, that these guys are like you know, great players. These are the same guys that think that Graham Mertz is an elite quarterback. It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. Yeah. Uh, as we roll on in this one o'clock hour, and I do want to get to a bit of other breaking news in the college football world. Uh, another friend of the program um, who has announced his retirement. We'll get to that in just a second. JJ, I am realizing that we let Joe C onto the golf course, and I'm not sure we got his top five because it is a Wednesday, and we do hit our mm. top fives on Wednesday. So we're going to have to effort getting. We Joe pushed C's it top back. Five. Push oh, we did. Tomorrow, we so we have Joe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Phew. Okay. Well, good. So, Nooner Nation, don't worry. The top fives will be on Thursday when we're back at 1010XL World Headquarters. Not today since we are on remote. But we will still Greg- have Dr. Bari, which very yes. important day for Dr. Bari. Lots yeah, I almost wanted us to call him in yesterday, speaking of shifting the schedule, because I had so many questions about these ligaments and this, that, and the other that fantasy football writers were tweeting at me about that I, I didn't know existed. Uh, like I said, I learned more about human anatomy in the last 48 hours than I did in 12, 13 years of public education, I think, uh, just based off all the injuries that the Jaguars suffered. Is it, is it just me, or has Trev now suddenly become this – National media guy. Now, everybody's talking about Trevor Lawrence and the injury. I see it constantly on ESPN. I see it constantly on the NFL Network. Whereas before, you could barely get any kind of Jaguars analysis on here's either one the, of those networks. Here's Fantasy the football, bro. It's got to be, right? It I mean, has that has a lot to do with it. He's, he is one of the few starting quarterbacks we have left in the NFL at this point. And, you know, he looks beautiful, of course. Well, to that point, J.J., he, uh, he actually, as much as Jake Browning was named the AFC's Offensive Player of the Week this week, which is a slap in the face of the Jaguars' defense and hopefully fires them up, Trevor had a better QBR, which I understand is a, is a subjective measure, 
But he was on pace for another 350-yard performance if he doesn't get hurt in that game, and especially if it goes to overtime. And so that's where I look at this and say, yes, it was a loss for the Jags. Yes, it kind of puts their standing in question in the AFC playoff picture, whatever you want to make of it. But at the same time, did it not get the Jaguars on the national radar? Because <laughs> I mean, clearly I it mean, did. Clearly it did. It's, just, it's, it's odd to me. It was the highest-rated Week 13 right. Monday night football game since 2010. And I it is a, like, sneaky low news day, like, for the NFL. Yeah, that's like, true. The, that's the only true. other story is a maybe a Von Miller being allowed to play this week. They really, right, and that's, really. And that's put, negative, and they're staying away exactly. from that. Exactly. So. The, the media right, right. doesn't really love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. The other big news is that Zach Wilson is uh, starting again because it's Groundhog Day in New York. So when, when that's the other headline, that's kind of where you're at. But as we talk about Slow News Day, I did see the Bills are preparing to open the 21-day window for Dawson Knox, and I think that opens the opportunity for us to talk about what we began this show by saying. Are the Bills dead? Because we just rattled off the three teams ahead of the Jaguars in the AFC standings, Leon, in the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Ravens. Two of those three teams have to face the Bills. Mm -hmm. The Bills have an opportunity to make up some massive ground, coupled with the Dolphins having a pretty difficult last stretch of the season. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think they're dead. I mean, I think the division is out of reach. I think the Miami Dolphins might be the most explosive electric team in the NFL right now, and they're 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 um, they're nine and three. But the Bills are six and six. I mean, listen, I saw I saw Josh Allen in the game against the Eagles where he was the best player on the field. I mean, he had that one turnover, but, I mean, the, the passing, the running, the touchdown. I mean, he, he threw three, t- three touchdowns and he ran two. All right, he had five touchdowns in the game. He had the, one, he had the one turnover that everybody's talking about, but he was the best player on that field. They just came up a little short. I mean, he's just got to stop at critical times in the game. He's got to just stop t- turning the ball over. He takes care of the ball, and they give him solid protection. They can run the ball defensively. They, you know, they squandered some game as well. They haven't been as, as effective that they should be. But, no, they're not dead. They still got the opportunity. As long as you got Josh Allen as your quarterback, you've got a chance. So it would be very interesting to see how they play down the stretch. But I tell you what, one thing you don't want, you probably don't, if he doesn't turn the ball over, the one thing you don't want is a Josh Allen in playing playoffs. in the playoffs. All right? So, that, so just be careful what you ask for. Yeah. No? It's not that I don't agree with that. I just I look at them and they're just – they don't scare me defensively. I think that's the biggest that, problem. I, mean, I know, but offensively, they put up some points. Yeah, yeah, they can. They can. They can, but he's also like a, a bad turnover away from trying to chase <laughs> yeah. 14 points instead I of seven. Know. And then, right. you just, then you just score with him, and then yeah. it's over. Yeah, he's like a roulette wheel. You put it there, you just turn it, and wherever it lands, you have no idea where it's going to land. You get good Josh, bad guy Josh. Not only that, it's, and it's not if – if you look at – so they've lost three of their last four, right? Actually, they've lost four of their last six. Look at the teams they've lost to. The Patriots, mm-hmm. the Bengals, that was that 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 was with, with, that was that was with Joe, okay, that was yep. with Barrow, the Broncos, mm-hmm. and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Eagles. I think that was their last. I think what that was that was their last. Okay, this is it. If we're going to do anything this year, it's got to happen now. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen. They're technically the tenth seed if we want to go by metrics um, on the bubble, according to NFL.com. Not currently looking out currently looking inside of the playoff picture from the outside. The Houston Texans squarely on the bubble behind the Indianapolis Colts by virtue of head-to-head. The Denver Broncos, who, of course, the Texans just beat. Then the Bills, then the Bengals, then the Chargers. I won't even get into Raiders, Jets, Titans, Patriots. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. It's here's so this that's the thing is so it's the other side of the coin of what we let off the show by saying, which is we're talking so much about the teams chasing the Jaguars, but how about the three teams the Jaguars are still chasing because a number one seed isn't out of the reality completely for Jacksonville because those three teams ahead of them have such a difficult schedule. So do the Bills, which could mean yes, they fold it in and say goodbye in five weeks, or they rise to the occasion over these next five weeks and they win out, and all of a sudden they're in the picture. Lest we forget, folks, one year ago today, we were sitting here covering a team that had just gotten thumped by the Detroit Lions and was 4-7, and seven, or 4-8, and eight, I should say, and the end was in sight, and everyone was writing off the Jaguars. And what happened, mm-hmm. Leon? Yeah, they, they ran the table. They got their stuff together. They ran the table, and they had a hell of a run. Last game of the season, they, they beat the Titans for the division, and they go into the first round, and they beat the Chargers. So, right. yeah, I mean, that's – you know, we're in a different predicament now. We're 8-4 and four now. We've got Trevor Lawrence hurt. We've got wide receivers hurt. We've got line hurt. But you got a lot hurt. You got and a here, lot here's hurt. another thing, too, is you've got a team yeah. that's up and down that's not playing consistently. So I, don't, I, I look at this and I think, all right, they could easily lose the Browns this week. Then you're 8-5. and five. Colts win. You're tied then at that point. I, I know you got the, the wins over the Colts, but guess what? The Browns are 8-5 then, too. Mm-hmm. And it starts to change a little bit. The Broncos win, then look at the Broncos. They're seven and six. They're a game behind you. Things start to change. If the Bengals win, they're seven and six. They're a game behind. They got the win over you. So I, yeah. I don't see this. Which as they up. would have to win over the Colts, by right, the way, which right. is a so, fun little scenario. But I, I just don't right now. And yeah. I know there's only what there's five games left. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. A lot of moving well, parts. In, in the AFC when two weeks ago it looked like it was a lock. I don't think it's a lock anymore. I just don't. Well, I mean, listen, all you can do is handle – all you, you can't worry about the other circumstances. They, they, they take care of themselves. Right. All you can handle is what's, what, you, what you've got in front of you. All you can do is handle your business. Jaguars have to handle their business, have to go on the road against a very tough environment, very good, tough defense, very really solid offensive defense. line that can run the ball and yeah. get after you pretty good, which, which seems to be the Jaguars' kryptonite. Their kryptonite is a defense that stopped and get after you, and they run offensive line that gets after you and can run the ball. Yep. I mean, that's what we saw Monday night, essentially. We saw that. So, if they don't make some changes up front, def- defensively and offensively, I mean, we're going to see a sample size of what we saw Monday night. What needs to change? Can you get tough in a week? It looks like the Bengals did. <laughs> it looks well, like the Bengals did. Well, I, I don't know. Well, listen, you played Monday night. Tuesday, you essentially were off Tuesday. You watched the film, whatever. Wednesday, you're not going to do much on Wednesday. You're going to do corrections and all that kind of stuff, implement the game plan offensive, defensively. Thursday will be a little bit of the same. Friday, you got to walk through. Next thing, you know, Saturday, you're on the plane to, to, to play Cleveland. So can you get tough in, the, in that period of time where you, you, you're limited in the contact that you're going to have? I, w- I would be surprised if the Jaguars even put on pads this week, to be quite honest with you, with a Monday night football game. And with so many people. Yeah, so many people hurt. The last hurt, thing you want is someone to get dinged up in practice. So – no, the, the, that mentality of toughness has got to come squarely between their ears. They've got to, they got to know that if they don't play, because right now the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens, they're tough. They get after it. And if you don't somehow buckle up or strap it up, you're going to get exposed. And teams can expose you. They, they, don't, don't get labeled as a finesse team. That's the last thing you want to be labeled well, as. Well, guess what? They're pretty darn close right now, well, they, are they not? They're, they're teetering, yes. They right. are teetering. And that's, I mean, again, and I, and I think Parker Washington played great when he, when he got his opportunity, but do, does it continue? Does he continue to play well? Um, because if not, then you're looking at what do you, you, you've got Ridley, who we all agree is up and down. You have no idea what you're getting from him week to week. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Zay Jones, who also, oh, by the way, has he's been injured. Yep. So, I mean, you, you look at what they've got right now, and you've got an injured quarterback. You've got an offensive line that's dinged up. Mm-hmm. So it, they need that defense now more than ever yes. to be elite, to, to play at that level they've been playing for a majority of the season. They cannot have another Bengals-type game going into Cincinnati and think they're going to win that game because they will not. Well, 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 guess what, though? The Cleveland Browns have the Bengals film. They, they, they got the blueprint and how to expose our defense, whether you're a man in the zone, running the ball or whatever. So you know they're going to implement some of that offense in this game come Sunday. So how do you stop it if you play so poorly at it Monday night? Stack the line, man. <laughs> Actually hit Just, your holes. Like Dan Orlovsky broke it down on NFL Live yesterday. Like, I don't know what happened between perhaps the best game he's played as a pro. I'm talking about Devin Lloyd, by the way, against the Texans and what happened on Monday night. Because Orlovsky was showing it. And maybe it was the lack of Trey Herndon, for all we know. But Andre Sisco is out of position because he's having to tell Devin where to be. Mm-hmm. Foya Lewick can miss the tackle because he's having to tell Greg Jr. where to be. And then all of a sudden, he, he, he drew it out and illustrated it on the Telestrator. Like, this one missed this mark, this one missed this mark, and there goes Joe Mixon, right down the gut. Mm-hmm. My question, Leon, is, and I asked Doug Peterson yesterday about it, and he confirmed, Angelo Blackson was inactive. He's been inactive twice this year, a healthy scratch against the 49ers and against the Bengals. What's the common denominator in both those games? Oh, that was the worst run defense the Jaguars played all season. Part of that is because they do want to get Devon Hamilton back up to speed. Doug Peterson felt like he played the best he's played since he returned from the reserve injured list. But was it enough? I got the heebie-jeebies from the moment I saw he was inactive because I was like, maybe it's just, you know, trauma from the the 49ers game, which I think is independent of the Bengals because that's a juggernaut, and that was a juggernaut coming in on a three-game losing streak. Mm -hmm. But – I don't want to say you shouldn't play Devon Hamilton because you invested money in him. He needs to get reps in order to get his strength back up to speed. But wouldn't you rather put in the assets that are at least proving to be productive when you have one football game? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was that's the thing that stood out to me the most in watching the game is that usually if, uh, defensively, especially up front, I mean, we, we would get penetration. I mean, our, our D tackles were ones to get penetration to where linebackers could make plays or where they would make plays. Okay. That, that against the Cincinnati Bengals' uh, offensive line, quite frankly, is has not played that well. But for whatever reason, this game Monday night, I mean, double teams, second level, uh, down blocks, uh, cutoff blocks, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we, we found ourselves defensively out of position in a lot of those plays, a lot of those effective run plays where – Early on in the season, you saw this Jacksonville Jaguar team get get penetration, Alua Khan making tackles, Devin Lloyd making tackles, and we just didn't see that that just, much. I mean, on, literally on, just on, lo- load up, and if, if P.J. Walker or, or Dorian Thompson-Robinson beat you, then they beat you. That's it. Stop the run. That's it. And the quick passing game. Learn how to defend a screen, although that may be a tall task because I'm not sure that's happened in this town for decades now. Our X question of the day, if you're logged on to Twitter, would you risk playing Trevor Lawrence this weekend versus the Browns if he's not 100% healthy? That question of the day, of course, brought to you by Beaver Toyota, Beaver Chevrolet. We have 566 votes in the hopper, boys. 73.7% of our Nooner Nation 
say they would not play Trevor Lawrence. What say you? You can also hit us on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures at 641-1010. And, of course, stop by the Golf Club of Southampton. We are on the back patio broadcasting, but on the front patio, that is where the Marines are stationed. Toys for Tots collection. They will be collecting all unwrapped toys that you are able to donate. And uh, there's also some pretty good food, I think, still lurking around, or at least for the golfers Mm. it is. And also there's a great spread if you want to stop in for lunch. Uh, Leon and I are very much, I think, looking forward to our spread they just brought out for us. So this is XL Primetime. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. Thanks to our Nooners joining us all the way in Washington, D.C. Thank you, 343, where it's spitting snow uh, for texting in at 641-1010. Because of that, uh, 343 says, let's leave Trevor home to rest. The ankle in the cold is not good, Leon. All right. Washington, D.C., huh? Yeah. That's my hometown. I was born in Washington, D.C. I regret to inform 343. Uh, Let him know. What's the weather here right now, Uh, Well, it's about 60. Sun, Sun is shining. It's almost flip-flop weather, so I hope he doesn't feel too bad. The thing is, it might, it might be worse than snow there Sunday. It might it's going to be, be like that, that weird Swedish, rain. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. which is even worse. Yeah, yeah, having, even yeah worse, having to drive in that when I was with the Ravens. Ugh. The cold, the sleet, the snow, the oh, black ice. God. Oh, just, just imagine on the highway next to a semi. Just imagine playing 60. I know you have, and I'm saying just imagine playing 60 minutes. In that no. And oh, I've brought this up God. now a couple of times, but I talked to Andre Sisco after the Pittsburgh game, and he said they warmed him up and – he technically was cleared to play, but he and the training staff looked at the weather and said, you know what, is it really r- worth the risk to play with this hamstring injury? And obviously he's a safety. Trevor Lawrence is your quarterback. But he said when Minka Fitzpatrick went down with a hamstring injury, he looked up at the sky and was like, my goodness, somebody was looking out for me that day. And that weather, very similar. If not, will it be colder in Cleveland this week? So it'll be curious. Supposed to, see. to be anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, this like time the of the year. Yeah, was, that was like 50, 50. Yeah, yeah was, it was like fifty. Yeah, that's, that's good like for in Pittsburgh. The high 30s. Yeah, you get down in December, you get down to the thirties and forties. You get and, down to the why yeah. we live in Florida yeah. weather. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly. that's yeah. that's what today is. Today right. at the golf club at Southampton is uh, very much why we live in Florida weather. All right, before we say hello to our good buddy Dr. George Barry. Heisman talk. Leon, you sat down here on the back patio Mm -hmm. when we first got here, and you said, man, the Heisman, now just four days away. Mm -hmm. Matt has a vote, so we will not ask him his Mm -hmm. vote. But I'm curious, if you did have a Heisman vote, Leon, Mm -hmm. who would be your three? Well, my my three, uh, at number three would be uh, Milrose from Alabama. Uh, That kid, I mean, listen, from that Texas game to where he is right now, he's got to be outside my number one pick, the most dynamic quarterback I've seen play all year. I mean, uh, the comeback against Auburn, the game he played against Georgia, against yeah. that vaunted defense, I mean, that was that was amazing. So I'll, he would be my number three. My number two would be Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. the second. Um, outstanding wide receiver. I mean, wherever he goes, he's going to be a fit. I got in an argument with uh, a, a youngster yesterday. We was watching the Heisman um, hopefuls, and he told me, you know, Marvin Harrison would never be as good as his uh, son in college. I said, have you lost your mind? Do you know how great Marvin Harrison was at Syracuse and Donovan McNabb? He was young. He didn't know no better. He didn't know. You know, I had to take him to Google to show him show him better. So I had to show him better, and I told him. But my number one guy would be Jalen Daniels. He he is, in my opinion, i seen some of the games he played, and even in his losses, he's spectacular. Yeah. And that run that he made against Florida, that 80-something-yard run he made against yeah. Florida, I mean, it was like Florida was in reverse, and he was fast forward. 
I had never seen anything like he that. He made before. a lot of people look bad. <laughs> he, he made them look people. terrible. So he would be my Heisman. I would definitely he would if I had a vote, he would be my guy. Uh, Jaden Downs for my LSU. We yeah, know, I, we, think, oh, I, think I think that's a great list. Mm-hmm. A great list. Um, you, you look at Jaden Downs. What I, I, I was telling you off the break, he he the way he runs, he's he reminds me of Mike Vick in college. The way he runs away, it looks like he's. Like, the other guys aren't even close to him. Mm-hmm. Like, he has – guys have angles on him, and he hits the corner every time. So, I, I, I see him, and it's not just that. And I said this when you and I were talking. I, I think he's going to go to the combine. Yeah. He's going to run, mm-hmm. and then he's going to throw. And I think when – first, they're going to see him run. They're going to go, oh, my God. And then he's going to throw, and it's going to be like, holy cow. Now, now you know – in February, teams have combine eyes. All I right? know that. Do I you know think that. he runs? If he runs well, he throws well. Do you think there's any chance he jumps past Drake May or Caleb Williams? I, I, at this point, I wouldn't put anything past any NFL guy because Anthony Richardson went number four overall. He did. Yeah. He did. So absolutely. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put that past anyone. And that's I'm not sliding Anthony at all. Okay. All I'm saying is everyone in the NFL now is looking for that dual threat guy that can put defenses in conflict more than just with their arm. And the, the the strides he's made over this season as far as an accurate throw, he was right around 80% most of the entire year. As an accurate guy, as a guy throwing with anticipation, as a guy with velocity on his, on his ball, mm-hmm. he is going to – I'm telling you, man, I, would I be shocked by him? No, not in the least. Not in the least. I know there's a lot of people well, that are saying it's, you know, it's, it's Caleb Williams and he's the next Pat Mahomes and all. That's fine. But this guy, the only the only negative to him is he's probably going to weigh in at – this is what I'm going to guess, okay? My guess is he'll weigh in at about 191, 192, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And height-wise, what and do we have six, in that? He's 6'2 almost 6'3. He's, he's not a thick guy, man. And I've been saying this since, you know, we saw him in the SEC media days. You, you stand next to him. His shoulder, from shoulder to shoulder, it is not wide. He, he is a guy who is a – it's small is not the right word. It's more sinewy. It's more sinewy than anything. But he he's he, he's not your prototypical NFL quarterback. Let's put it that way. But I think it's safe to say, uh, per, per, performed at least statistically, the best of any quarterback in college football this season. In my estimation, he would be my first vote for the Heisman. I probably would lean, don't get mad, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, just because I think what those two quarterbacks were able to do for those two programs was incredible. I would have put Bo Nix ahead of Penix if he had defeated him and if Oregon had defeated Washington in the Pac-12 title game. Um, but obviously, Michael Penix wins the head-to-head twice, and that's why I would have put him second. If I had a Heisman vote, I do not. Of course, those three are your Heisman finalists, along with the aforementioned Michael, ha- Michael wow, Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm blaming that beautiful salad that I'm excited right. to get back to in the next break. Marvin Harrison Jr., the fourth Heisman finalist. I believe it's Maserati ceremony. Marv. Thank there you. There, there it is, JJ, yes. No, it's not that, JJ. It's Maserati yeah. Marv. The, yeah. be- the best was when I was in Houston with the Jags, and I took a nap, and I just wake up in the middle of the game, and I just hear, Maserati, and I went, oh, my God, Gus is in my sleep. Every guess catch. And guess what's going to happen when he goes pro? Maserati's going to find him and give him a call. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I'm shocked they haven't already. With I am, too. I am. I am, too. Let's get ready to say hello to Dr. George Barry. A whole lot of questions to get to regarding the Jaguars' litany of injuries. We'll run through them all coming up next right here on XL Primetime. Our next guest is not affiliated with the NFL or Jacksonville Jaguars. Discussion of injuries is solely based on opinion. Now, the Barry Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Injury Breakdown. I'm coming in. Oh, yeah. It's our man. Dr. George Barry. 
He's sitting in my seat today, yeah. too, apparently. Back at headquarters there at, at the uh, Denton XL Studios. George? What's up, What's man? Going on, brother? I feel like center Is there stage. something wrong with my seat? I mean, why? You, you, I mean, what you trying to say? No, I'm you? trying to lose weight, so I figured if I sit in Hayes' seat, I'll just it'll melt. Oh, oh now I see. Yeah. The, power, the power of awake well in 180 done, compels. Gio. Well done, Gio. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know where you know we're headed right now, right? It's the story that everyone's talking about. Yeah. So, from what you've read, and depending on what on what uh, on what ligament it is, or what tendon it is, or what whatever it is, okay, explain to us. The tendon that connects the tibia and the fibula, and how it could how it could turn into a ankle sprain, and and, and if it's a he could play this week, he shouldn't play this week, or what's your your medical diagnosis on that? Yeah, so that high week? ankle sprain, it, it's a ligament, so it connect, and there's actually four of them, and it connects the tibia to the fibula, and basically prevents it from spreading right when you, when you take a step and, and gives it stability. Right. So he injured it on that play. Uh, obviously, everyone's worried about a fracture. They got X-rays at the game. They said it was negative. And they got the MRI, and they said kind of vague whether he's going to play Sunday or not. Here's the thing. Usually these are pretty bad injuries. They're almost always worse than an ankle sprain. Coming back in a week, I always say that there's, there's a difference between should you play and can you play, right? Right. Um, you know, Mahomes had this last year, and you could tell he was limping during the game when he played us, and, and he won, but he was struggling. So he may be able to, you know, grit his teeth and go through the pain, the question is, is it going to hurt him for the future of the next couple of weeks after that or not? Um, usually playing one week after a high ankle sprain is pretty tough uh, because it does hurt and uh, it's pretty painful. So we'll just have to wait and see. You know, the, the, They're not going to be very uh, – they're going to be very vague about his status, rightfully so. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it to play back a week later or maybe at least rest it for at least a week and see how you do after that so then you can finish off the year. So we obviously, George, don't know which of the four ligaments, although, of course, the Twitter doctors and the fantasy football doctors are speculating that it's the anterior inferior tibiofibular ligament, which is the most yeah. common in football. Um, I'm not sure if that is the ligament that Patrick Mahomes sprained last year in the divisional round against the Jaguars, but he went on to say after that Super Bowl run a season ago that it was about managing the, uh, managing the pain getting the mobility back as best I possibly can. I wouldn't say I'm 100%. I have limitations. You go through the grind of a week of training. You're pushing, trying to push it and go through the rehab. At the same time, you want to make sure you're still in the building. You'll be a little sore. I'm throwing and having no limitations with the throwing. So, which I say, which, which I say, if Trevor was to play like Patrick Mahomes did last year, what would be, in your estimation, reasonable limitations. I mean, is this going to be like when he came off the MCL injury against the Saints and they're having to get the ball out in less than 2.3 seconds and he's just standing back there in the pocket like a statue? Because we did see Patrick Mahomes move against the Jaguars and then move against the Bengals in the championship round last year. Yeah, I, I mean, so, yes, first of all, most most commonly injured is the anterior inferior telefibular ligament. Um, and then he's going to be braced up. He's going to be spat taped on top of that brace, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, they can always inject him with lidocaine, which is not the greatest, but it will numb the pain a little bit so he doesn't have that much pain when he plays. The problem with that is you can hurt yourself more and not notice it because you're numbing the pain. Um, I would say no running or reduce the amount of running, right? So got to get the ball off quickly, uh, probably going to run it more so he can get rid of the ball and not have it. 
maybe running, going shotgun so he doesn't have to run back as far. He's already you know a couple yards back. But he's definitely going to have some limitations if it's hurting him. I mean, it was a bad injury, and he knew it when, when it happened. You can tell that he knew he was hurt. I just, you know, like I said, I would say can you play and should you play are two different things. We don't know the extent of his injury. We don't know how he feels, so it's tough to say. But normally with a high ankle sprain, coming back in a week is, is very difficult. Now, Doug, when it comes to something like this, because I had a situation like this in 98. It was my thumb and my ligament hairline fracture. Jaguars wanted me to play, and I had a cycle of treatment of like 24 hours, and I played the next week. I mean, would there, would there be an incidence where the Jaguars, they consider playing him on Sunday? What kind of what kind of hours are we talking as far as treatment go to, to maybe jumpstart him and have him play on Sunday? Oh, it's going to be just like you were saying, around the clock. There, he's going to have different sessions. He'll have a session up most likely in the morning with a break, then afternoon and a break, and maybe another one uh, you know, later on. Um, he's going to have you know, probably tens units on to help with the pain, mitigate the pain, stuff to reduce the swelling. Ice baths to help this inflammation so it can go down so he's able to play because inflammation in and of itself, you know, is, is painful and will limit your range of motion. So it's definitely going to be le- like you had experienced, a 24-7 type thing um, up until game day. So, George, you, you've worked clearly with a lot of athletes who've, done, who've dealt with this. Um, you're talking about a quarterback now. You're talking about his – it's his plant foot too. Like when, when he drops – you know, he's leaning on that right foot, that right ankle. All the weight is going there, and then you start pushing forward. That's a difficult ask. Like you said, if you if if you know you can numb him up, but then what? So, do you do you tell like when you're when you're advising these players? Do you say, look, I wouldn't numb it up because you can do far worse damage than you have right now? Right. No, I mean, look, like I said, we don't know the specifics, um, but if you're just talking in generality, a high ankle sprain. Uh, assuming it's what it is on average, is very painful, worse than a, than a regular sprain. Uh, I would I would not numb it up. I just would say you can't play, right? Because right. you're going to hurt it more, at least for this week, and, and we can come back in it in a week. But like I said, uh, we don't know the specifics of how things look. But just if you're talking about generality, that that would be my opinion. Moving down the line of our Jaguars injuries, we go to Christian Kirk. Um, which honestly, Doc, we, we uh, the the quarterback is of course most paramount. But this is the injury that Doug Peterson immediately said, yes, he's going to miss time. He believed Christian Kirk would need surgery. From what Good Morning Football reported this morning, it sounds like he will. It sounds like he's seeing the same doctor that Cam Hayward of the Pittsburgh Steelers saw, and that sidelined him with his core muscle injury for seven weeks after surgery. And so, number one, long-term Christian Kirk, this core injury that we don't know a whole lot about. It was initially listed as a groin injury. Now it's core muscle what do you believe it could be, and what's a realistic timeline for him to get back on the field? Yeah, so the core, it, you know, it came out as groin. They're very close, a very close proximity, uh, right around the pubic symphysis area. And you can see he kind of was, uh, when he fell, holding that area. Um, so we all assumed it was a groin. But it, they're very close proximity, and sometimes some people interchange some of the words because the location is so close. But that, that surgery is a six- to eight-week timeline, usually, to come back. Um, and... Unfortunately for him, it was non-contact. You could tell. It looks like maybe when he twisted is when whatever ruptured, ruptured, and tore. But normally, when you have the surgery, you're able to come back. Um, I don't think it's a it's a um, I don't career-ending, devastating injury. But it does take time to get back from it. And so six to eight weeks, if we can make it to the play, you know, when we make it to the playoffs, we have another six, seven weeks. You're hoping he could come back at that time, as long as he he meets that timeline. So, 
Doc, uh, Walker Little, me, he has not been ruled out, right? He has this, not been ruled okay. out, but it's but going to be a difficult Yeah, it's, I mean, he's, got a, he's got a hamstring right now. So if it, he clearly looked like he was limping as well. Um, a, a hamstring, and again, you don't know what, you don't know what the degree that the, the injury is, but that's, that's a situation that could affect him the rest of the season, could it right, not? Right, absolutely. You know, uh, hamstrings, we always talk about the problem with hamstrings is, is that they linger, right? You, you get it. You feel okay, then you go back and play again, and, and you pull it again. I always say, whenever you feel good, always wait a week. That's what a lot of docs say, just to make sure, because it's so common to re-injure this thing. Uh, the problem that we have is now that we only have a one-game lead, you, you're you almost have no very minimal cushion, especially with all the injuries that we just got last week. But you know, it, it's very possible he can play. You're just going to worry that is he going to re-aggravate it? And you could do things, you know, to try to prevent it. Put a compression sleeve and make sure he's stretched out. Maybe limit how many uh, his amount of playing during the game. But uh, you know, in the end, I think if it's going to re-aggravate, then it's, it's just going to happen. We'll leave Trey Herndon in the concussion protocol off to the side because obviously we know the standard procedure for that must be followed. Tafoli Fadukasi officially listed with an ankle injury during the game. Doug Peterson said it's more of a heel contusion, and he is day-to-day. We know he had the calf strain last year. Unclear at this point if it's the same leg as last year, but obviously that's a situation to monitor. Yeah, a heel contusion. You know, We mentioned bone contusions. They're just very sore, right? It becomes very painful and to the point where sometimes you can't. You can't walk, or maybe you can walk, but you can't run because all your weight is landing on that foot. Um, you know, you can kind of alter your gait to to walk to kind of run and walk on on your toes. But in football, you know, in, in the middle of a play when you want to uh, lean back, all your weight's going to go in that area. So it's going to be a little tough. But fortunately, these are things that sometimes can go away quickly w- with a bone contusion, but sometimes it can linger, and that's going to be the the question. And it's just going to be a pain tolerance issue. Once his pain subsides to the point where he feels good, he can go back and play. And that's just, you know, kind of a wait-and-see type thing. Do some therapy, see if it can help a little bit with the pain management. But um, there's, you just got to wait it out. One more, Doc. Uh, Tyson Campbell returned on Monday night uh, from the hamstring injury that kept him sidelined for a couple of weeks. Um, he then suffered what Doug Peterson called a right quad strain during overtime. Unclear at this point if it's the same leg. Um, but, I mean, even if it's not the same leg, right quad strain, hamstring, related at all in your estimation? Um, you know, so a lot of times the quads happen because, and I know this said strain, not contusion, but uh, – your quad gets hit, right? People fall down or you're trying to tackle somebody and, you're, and the helmet hits the quad. So a lot of these quad strains uh, are from an actual trauma, like someone just blunt force a shoulder pad or someone lands on it because it's on the anterior portion. I don't think I'd be worried too much about it as much as I'd be a little bit more worried, I think, about a hamstring than I would with the, with the quad. All right, Gio. Well done. All as, right. As usual. Thanks, guys. You, feel, you feeling good about sitting I, in that seat? Everything I, good? Yeah, I'm, I feel lighter. You do feel you do feel like uh, right. JJ yeah. actually on the live stream has Geo up. We're no longer up on the live stream. He's got Geo up. Well, you guys, have, I've been going back and forth, switching. Okay. He he is our doctor, George Barr. He's got a young uh, a young listener or not listener, one of his mentees with him too. Oh yeah, I have like. a medical student that he wanted to check it out. All right, all right, George, where can they hear you? Where all right, the folks here. Yeah, Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, we have a Sunday morning Breaking Bones, and you could uh, search on the podcast if you miss it. All right, brother. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks. McAfee and A.J. Hawk have nothing on us and Dr. George Bari. Fantastic. No, we got our doc. All right, Leon, before we send you off for the day, uh, you told me today's the cheat day. 
So what do we have as the spread? What did uh, Derek DeStefano um, and, and the crew hook you up with? Yeah, I got um, I got some garlic parm um, boneless wings. Uh, my hacker impression. You know, he doesn't eat them. That's my guy. He likes the boneless. And I got some tater tots. He doesn't like to get his fingers He likes to get his fingers wet. wet. And, you right. know, today it's cold and everything. I ain't want to get my fingers all wet. All so, right, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. But they're good, though. Absolutely good. Awesome. Well, we, yeah. thank, we thank Derek DeStefano and the whole Golf Club of Southampton team for hosting us. It's our annual Toys for Tots golf outing. Joe C. is out on the course. Leon headed out the door. Matt and I will hold it down for the 2 o'clock hour as we say hello to one of the three victorious head coaches. Is that a good hacker impression, boys? Um, from over the weekend on the high school gridiron as three of your local squads will be playing for state titles this week. Who are we catching up with? Stay tuned to find out right here on XL Primetime. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. As we get set to begin our final hour here on a beautiful Wednesday at the Golf Club of Southampton, XL Primetime. It is just Mia O'Brien, Matt Hayes, and JJ LaSalva back at 1010XL World Headquarters holding down the fort. We are expecting to have Toby Bullock, the head coach of the Mandarin Mustangs, joining us at 2.15. We will also have updates from Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence's press conferences at 2.10 and 2.20, respectively, which we're going to get into that in just a second, Matt. But before we look into what the loss of Christian Kirk means to this Jaguars offense heading into this weekend, man... Oh, man, I'm about to pair two things. Some of you are going to roll your eyes. Yes, there's an Iowa reference, and Matt's going to laugh. Did you know tomorrow night's Thursday night football game currently has the lowest over-under since 1993 in the National Football League? Wow. Saucy nug right there, JJ, is it not? What's the under? It is currently at 30. 30? 30 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Favored by six points. Is it in Pittsburgh? I believe it is. Yeah, that, I think it's bad bad weather there too. It's bad wow. weather, but yes, it is in Pittsburgh. <laughs> they got two wow. Thursday night games in the colder months of the year. I'm not really sure how that happened up in Pittsburgh, um, but here we are. So yeah, that that's certainly uh, something. But yes, thirty. The two things I want to pair together. That's clearly going to be a Big Ten football game. I think the Jaguars and the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. accompanied by the weather, needs to be a Big Ten football game. I said to you during the break, I think Doug Peterson needs to approach this just like he did the Thursday night game at the New York Jets last week, or last week, last year, in which they went up there, they scored early, they sat on a 12-3 lead, they milked it. I believe the final score was like 19-6 or something like that. Wasn't pretty. They were in control the entire time, kicked a lot of field goals, scored only one touchdown, I think, and that was all they needed. I think you'll need a little bit more firepower, maybe against this Cleveland Browns offense that is also decimated by injuries. But I think if you can just impose your will and grind it out, it will be okay to play a Big Ten style up in Cleveland on Sunday. So here's the problem, I think. It's not just, you know, we're so focused on Trevor Trevor Lawrence because he's Trevor Lawrence and he's the quarterback and the quarterback is everything. But your center's not playing well. Your right guard is not playing well. You have, you're going to have a new left tackle more than likely or a left tackle that is dealing with a hamstring injury. You're going to be out your most consistent receiver. Your number one receiver, you'd have no idea what you're getting from him. Your other receiver, Zay Jones, is still dealing with playing with injuries. You, we don't know what's going to happen with Brett and Strange, okay? Evan Ingram's playing his tail off. Um, your, your starting running back also is dealing with an injury. He's playing through an injury. 
it's more than that. There's a lot going on right now in that offense. Um, that's why I think defensively, man, I just load up, stop the run, and I tell my corners we are playing we are playing literally five to seven yards or less off the line of scrimmage. And if they can get by us and that guy can throw it accurately in this weather and they beat us, then they beat us. But we are going to stop the run, period. And we're going to put them in third and long situations where then you can do some different stuff defensively. You know, and then you can force problems with young quarterbacks, be it P.J. Walker or uh, Dorian uh, Robinson-Thompson. Or Thompson Joe Robinson. Flacco, since we still don't know officially uh, who the quarterback will be in Cleveland. Yeah, yes? it's just I, I would rather play one of the two young guys, honestly, because that, that's at the very least – Flacco is a guy who's been around the league a long time and can do some things and can and, and, and understands what's coming at him. He understands coverages. He understands fronts. Um, maybe with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, it's a little bit different. Uh, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's the same way with P.J. Walker or it isn't. But I, I just think like if you've got a guy that's been in the league for how many years? 18 now? Is it 18 yeah, with Flacco? something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's you, you look at that, and I would much rather face a young guy. And I, they're going to need their defense in this game. This defense has to play like elite in this game. DTR, though, there's certainly a threat for him to run. And unlike last season, and maybe this is good preparation for Lamar Jackson in two weeks, the Jaguars really haven't faced a lot of mobile quarterbacks up to this point. Do we think he, his game from college has translated to the pros where he is mobile? Or is he going to just sit back there and be more of a pocket passer? He can run. There's no doubt about that. He's he's, he's a lot like Kyler Murray. He's not that not as dynamic, but he absolutely can. Um, I look. I, I think this defense has enough speed in the, in the front seven. And again, we don't know what's going on with Trey Hernan. Is he going to? We, we will find. He's out in the more concussion today. protocol. Right, we'll, we'll know more. We'll know more in a couple minutes. Right. So so that's another thing because you, you've got guys that can close. And and I'm not really concerned about a running quarterback, especially during the, in this weather. Um, they're just literally going to try and get yards. They're going to do the same thing the Jags offense is going to do. Just get yards and try and get in a position where you can either get an easy, an easy touchdown because of a turnover or you can hit a couple field goals. If the weather's going to be as bad as they say it's going to be, that, that's the game you have to play. You have to play, okay, don't turn the ball over. Don't give somebody an easy short field to get a score. And just play good defense. That's why I keep saying over and over, this is going to have to be, of all the games this year, this might be the most important defensive stop game that they have. And like I said, it's going to be a Big Ten football game out there. And oh, yeah. potentially, if Trevor Lawrence can't go, you have a Big Ten football quarterback in <laughs> C.J. Beathard under center um, who clearly showed he can move. Like, I know he's not Trevor. No no one on this roster is Trevor Lawrence in terms of his mobility at the quarterback position. But he at least showed you he could scoot a little bit. Also dealing with a shoulder, by the way. Yeah, there's also that. Right. So, but that it, it's – I don't think it's a situation where now you go from having a mobile quarterback who, after the MCL injury earlier this year, was getting back to form and was able to roll out and create opportunities right. with his legs, and now you have a statue back there. I don't think it's that no, situation. No, I don't either. I don't either. I, I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going to do everything he can to play because he is a, a, I mean, just a one tough competitor. That dude is going to want to play. But I will say this. If he doesn't, um, and, and it's C.J. Beathard, I, I think they're fine as long – Look, as long as you as long as you protect the ball and don't turn it over, they are going to be in that game. So I, w- I would think that's the overall the overall arching umbrella with this. When if they start game planning because they know Trevor's not going to play, just protect the ball and play good defense and run the ball and do everything you can to get to get Ridley in a situation where he can affect the game or or Evan Ingram where he can affect the game. I mean, honestly, without the holding call, they win that game Monday yes. night. So I, I don't I don't think CJ Beathard is going to be a hindrance to them. I mean, if he can stay healthy, right? 
Well, I mean, what he, happens, said, he said what happens if What happens if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, okay? And right. They, they, throw, they would elevate Nathan Rourke from the practice Rourke, squad, right. so yes. Then, yes. <laughs> because li- like I said yesterday, um, I think I said it either on – no, I, I don't forget if I said it on primetime or helmets or heels, that uh, our boy D-Rock, who I adore, but when he asked Doug, hey, are you going to call, you know, a, right. another quarterback like Nick Foles? Right. It's just like D-Rock. I know it's there, buddy. I know it's low-hanging fruit. Come on, man. There, there's some other quarterbacks on the street that I'd rather see. And, he knows the offense. And the guy I'd rather see even more, heaven forbid, C.J. Beathard was also to be injured, is Nathan Rourke sitting there on the practice squad who also knows the offense. The Canadian Minshew. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Ma- Maple Minshew, as, Maple as Minshew. they like to call him. Um, so tell me this quick, Matt, before we um, get ready to say hello to Toby Bullock. Christian Kirk, we know, is out. Who for you is the go-to receiver now for the next five games? I mean, I want to say Ridley. I want to say Ridley because I, I, I want to think that, you know, they make it very clear to him, and he clearly understands that this is it. This is his time now. They need him. You know, there's no more, there's no more all right, well, you're, you're up and down, or you may, be, you may be ready for this game, you may not be ready for this game. They need him, and, and they need Evan Ingram to continue to play at a high level. Unfortunately for Evan Ingram, he just got his first touchdown last, year, last week, if he had six or seven touchdowns, you'd be talking about people saying he's, he's having an all-pro season. Um, but he is having an all-pro season. He's really playing well. So if not Ridley, then I would say Evan Ingram's got to be your guy. All right. Well, Doug Peterson is set to meet with reporters right now. We are still on the air. We won't be able to carry that press conference live, but we will bring you updates, and we'll also get into our I-9 high school sports half hour right here on a golf club of Southampton Wednesday on XL Primetime. That just happened. Brought to you by... Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, so Doug Peterson wasn't really, you know, he didn't say too much about the quarterback situation, but he did say Trevor Lawrence not practicing today. He said it's too soon. Yes, too soon after the injury, which not that much of a surprise. Matt and I were just listening to some of the press conference on YouTube. Um, Doug has said in the past that Trevor doesn't need to play in or practice, excuse me, in order to play right. on a game day. Um, he did say that there will be a lot of input from the quarterback in terms of if you're ready to go, what you would like to put in the game plan, what you would not like to put in the game plan, and stress that he wants C.J. Beathard, if he's playing, to do things that he does well, and if Trevor Lawrence is playing, to do things that he is allowed to do and physically can do well. So my guess would be if this injury is what it's, they say it is, it's a – I mean, it's kind of a serious injury. I don't think he practices the rest of the year. Why? Why would you even practice him? There's no sense in it. Um, I also think you, you almost have to, if you think about it, you almost have to pull up Maple Minshew, don't you? So that'll be a standard practice squad elevation, I would think. But, um, I mean, even, even like if, let's just say, like, against the, against the Browns, if he just can't go. Then you have to sign him to the then, active roster. And then, right, so then, because if he can't go, and then he plays a little bit, then can't go, he realizes he can't go. CJ comes in there and gets hit. He's out. Then what do you do? No, so they will They will definitively have, and again, no one has asked yet, and apologies, I'm not there. Um, no one has asked about if the Jaguars are working out quarterbacks, if they would add a third quarterback. It just sounds like pretty much they would do the same thing they did prior to the Saints game, which was they signed Nathan Rourke to the active roster. Depending on Trevor's status, they either keep him on the active roster, which I believe they only have 52 players currently on so they do have flexibility they, they wouldn't have to wave okay. somebody correct okay. and then after he is signed to the active roster if this injury is going to linger you probably keep him on there as opposed to after the Saints game they waived him 
and then they brought him back, obviously, on the practice squad, so you risk that as well during this time in which seemingly everyone has a need for a backup quarterback. Right. Um, but, yes, that, that is what I would guess is the game. So plan. the concept of not pulling him up and putting him on the active roster right now is just in case you need to put somebody on the active roster that you need, yes. a street free agent, wide receiver, whatever. Right. If you need somebody, you've got a spot on the roster. Yeah, so I, I, I get that. I completely understand that. But, boy, if you you got one quarterback's hurt and another quarterback's got a bump shoulder. It's not his throwing shoulder, but he still has a bump shoulder. Um, wow. That's – you, that's what I'm saying. You, they might have to elevate him just to have the idea of, all right, we either do that or, you know, or Parker Washington's playing, playing quarterback if something happens. Yeah, because you know? Christian Kirk was your emergency quarterback. Um, but don't worry, Logan Cook also is right. the other emergency quarterback. Cook, so it's right? going to be okay. Um, actually, this is a, a part of the story that I didn't realize was getting the play nationally that apparently it is. I was informed when I was doing a couple call-ins at other stations around the country this morning. The super, the lower third graphic on ESPN yesterday when D-Rock went on said Jaguars quarterback uh, Trevor Lawrence injured because Walker Little falls into him or something to that ilk. Right. And so the other host asked me, like, you know, did you talk to Walker Little? How does he feel about this? And said it looked like Trevor was yelling at Walker. That couldn't be further from the truth. And our, our good friend Logan Bowles with NFL Media actually just posted the photo. You tell me, Matt Hayes. Who's Trevor yelling at? It's Parker Washington, but why? That's the question. Parker Washington ran the what Trevor deemed the wrong route. So he couldn't get the ball out quick enough. That's why he double-clutched. Ah, and, and Parker was extra. And you can listen to the interview on our 1010XL YouTube channel. Parker brought it up to us. He said, I kind of feel like it was my fault. And we were like, really? He goes, yeah, I wasn't decisive enough in my route. And I know Brian uh, Baldinger has broken it down, and a couple other folks have as well, that it looks like Trevor was looking for the quick out route, right? and he just kept running. Those were side adjustments, basically, is what they are. Yeah, he, he probably just didn't do what he should have done. That's a young guy playing, man. That's, but, I mean, h- how much could you really be upset at him? He no, kept he him busted in the game. his butt. He kept him in the game with that catch and a couple other big catches, too, so – and he, they're going to need him moving forward, right? Clearly, and they wouldn't be in the position they were if he doesn't catch that touchdown. Yeah. So and, you can't get mad, and like, and that's why. And by the way, we ripped uh, Trent Baalke yesterday for those first three picks. That's a pretty good late round pick. Yeah. Could turn into a pretty good late round pick. And like we said too, a lot of the draft pundits uh, nationally were digging up their old tweets from last February about Parker Washington, one of the lowest drop rates in college football, his final season at Penn State. I mean, I don't know how he caught that ball in the end zone, how he had the wherewithal. And it's going to be critical because Christian Kirk has only fumbled, yes, twice this season, but three times in his career, I believe the number is. And so you need for that slot receiver to be so sure-handed. And I do think you'll see Calvin Ridley line up in the slot. I don't think this is now exclusively Parker Washington's job. Jamal Agnew is eligible to come off of IR for the Ravens game, I do believe it is. And so you'll probably see him get factored back into the offense. He's been with the team on the field. But if Parker Washington does what he did on Sunday against the Browns, what say you, Matt Hayes, long term? If he plays like he did last week, he's fine. I mean, they're fine at that spot. I think they're fine. I mean, he, he even had a nice punt return. So, yeah, I, look, I, as long as he continues to do that and he doesn't see side adjustments and get his quarterback killed again, which I'm sure it'll be a little That's bit more. That's on coaching, on top of by that. the way. That's not, it's on the player to it's, know it's, it. It's a little it's, both. Yeah. It's a little both. But, uh, yeah, I. Yeah, I, I think they're okay. I, that's, he's not Christian Kirk. Clearly he's not Christian Kirk. Um, 
and I said this to you at the break too as well, is you know, do they now have a decision to make with Christian Kirk? If he misses the rest of the season, you know, he's a big salary cap number. So do you have do you have a decision to make there? And your point was he's He's Trevor's he's part, boy. Yeah, he's part of the fabric of the, yeah. of the He's Trevor's boy. He's a leader in the locker room. I don't see a world in which they part with him. Um it, then again, there are those who would argue that Cam Robinson's pretty important to that locker room and right. we know his cap number is mighty hefty this offseason and you have Walker Little. You were supposed to get this extended audition again from him. Right. And if you commit to him, then you say goodbye to Cam. Or honestly, Ezra Cleveland. Right. Or honestly, a first-round draft pick. Because at this point, you, you, you – I, and again, I hate talking draft because this team has got, you know, the potential to go far in the playoff if it gets healthy and right. But, but your, your draft pick's got to be interior line, man. Has to be. At some point, yes. Has to be. Well, yeah. so there's also – And a tackle. Right. Well, there, there's a school of thought of you're developing Cooper Hodges to eventually succeed Brandon Scherf. That, from what I've been told, that, that's kind of their plan right now. And Brandon Scherf has one more year on his deal, or do you say goodbye to him? And then on the opposite side, you have <laughs> YouTube, not, YouTube audience. I hope you not, saw that. I mean, goodbye. he's just not playing well. I, he would admit that. I guarantee if you asked him, he'd admit he's not playing well. Right. He's not. He's just not. And he's been a great pro. He's been an all-pro type player. He was good for them last year. I just don't think. Well, he's he was hurt, well. by the way, too. Right. He's not the only guy that's not playing well on that offensive line. They've got center issues too, and, and that's also a. You know, what do you do? Are, are, are you convinced there, or do you go get another center? And then at the left guard spot, that's where, you know, the Ezra Cleveland trade really was a master class if you are able to re-sign him because you get a starter for a six-round pick. Yeah, You're I probably not going to get a plug-and-play starter for a six-round pick in April's NFL draft. Okay, we are still efforting, hopefully getting Toby Bullock, Toby Bullock the, man, yeah. the man of mystery out in Mandarin. Uh, I know some of our Nooners have his number. So, uh, we can't be over two with Toby. Call him. It Tell him he like needs to pick are. up the phone. It looks like we are now cheering for Columbus this weekend. Or at no. least I am. No. Absolutely. No, Don't never. say that, JJ. Pro- it's unfortunate with Toby Bullock, too, because he, he is a dead ringer for Hacker. Oh, my same God. Person. Please Literally Google this person. guy. And folks. better yet, he was the head coach at Wolfson, Hacker's right. alma mater. Which is why I t- texted Hacker and I said, Toby Bullock was stalking around the wolf then? He said, oh, yeah, man. So, yeah. It's, uh, Maybe we should have had Hacker, like, come on and, Im- we should and have imperson- to, impersonate. We should have Hacker do the Mandarin update. Oh, my update. God. That's true. We could do that. Instead, we're going we're gonna to give Justin Barney a call. He's going to update us on Mandarin, St. Augustine, and our boys down in Bradford, the three remaining teams in our area, alive and fighting for state championships this weekend. Don't go anywhere. It's XL Primetime. It's the High School Half Hour on XL Primetime. Brought to you by Gatorade. Fuel up with Gatorade at your local Winn-Dixie. And I-9 Sports, the way youth sports should be. While we're still efforting getting a hold of Toby Bullock, we do have Justin Barney waiting on the other line. First things first, though, need to update you as Trevor Lawrence is meeting with reporters at the Miller Electric Center as we speak. He does not have a cast on. His ankle is just heavily taped. No boot. Um, no, no boot. No boot. Just walking in sandals and got a well, – not sandals. I should say athletic slides and then has his ankle heavily wrapped. Again, he will not practice today in case you missed it. Doug Peterson did confirm that. Trevor also just confirmed that – he made the decision to not take the cart. The cart was there. He said, nah, the tunnel's right there. I'll walk right in, and I'll, I'll walk it off. And then as soon as he got into the tunnel, he went, oh, this is quite a long walk to the x-ray room, and then discovered, oh, there's also cameras in here, um, which I may or may not have been one of those. So before but, we get to yes. JV, real quick, uh, you said something I thought was very interesting, that it looked like the way he threw his helmet down, the way he was screaming, it looked like it was a lot worse than it was 
you have some insight on that. Yeah, we, we asked Trevor about this when he went down with the MCL earlier this year, especially after the toe injury last year. He has said to us that he never suffered a significant injury in college or high school. So when he feels sharp pain, he's just assuming the worst. It's new to him, yeah. He has never yeah. been through this. I mean, let's go back to the MCL. I mean, he said to me then, and we experienced it again on Monday night as I had to, like, clear a path for him in the locker room because there were, like, towels. He didn't know how to use crutches because yeah. he's never had them before. He, this is the first time he's ever worn a knee brace. And so I think that's a lot of what, you know, the, the panic was about. He, he did tell reporters he feels a lot better than he thought he would, which, of course, he says. Um, and I'm sure he does because Fergie and the staff there does an amazing job. And Trevor reiterated that as well, that, yes, he, he was offered the cart. He chose to walk. Justin Barney was in the house for the game on Monday night. Uh, he also has the scoop on our three local high school teams still in action. Let's say hello. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Jay Barn, given our time is short, I won't ask you too much about your Monday Night Football experience. Instead, give us the lowdown on what happened in the final four of the high school football playoffs here in the state of Florida and who remains. You know, uh, we had five teams starting last week in the final four games, Trinity, Christian, and Bowles. Uh, the lone two who did not make it through to the finals. So great seasons for them, especially Bowles after uh, an 0-3 start to get down to another Final Four uh, under Coach Matt Toblin. That's five state semifinals in a row for that uh, for that program. So good one for Bowles. Trinity Christian should have won against Clearwater Central Catholic. But, again, Verlin Dorminey's team has, uh, has played numerous state semifinals. So good seasons for those guys. It just did not pan out in the finals. But we've got three teams left standing. Three very good ones, Bradford, St. Augustine, and, of course, Road Warrior Mandarin playing for state championships. Those begin on Thursday with St. Augustine leading things off at 3 p.m. against Daytona Beach Mainland. Justin, were you surprised that that Bradford needed overtime? That's number one. And number two, kind of break down the state championship game for us. These guys, Bradford and Coco, obviously know each other. Um, Two of the best teams in the state. That'll be a hell of a game. Excellent game there. Very surprised that Bradford took – uh, took that game to overtime, and, I mean, they, they were dead in the water for three quarters, scored twice in the last ten minutes of that game, including the tying touchdown with uh, with a couple minutes left to go, dodged a field goal at the end by by uh, Pensacola Catholic, uh, and got into overtime, and Jamie Rogers, man, the stones of that guy to go roll the dice and kick a two-point conversion shot to win that game. If uh, Dejon Shanks could stop there, they lose that game and don't get to the championship game. So what a call by Jamie Rogers. Great execution by Dejon Chinks to get in. 22-21, a uh, great one for Bradford. And, uh, you know, they've, they've uh, had that Coca game circled for a year. It's uh, kind of the collision of styles, that great, great defense of Bradford versus that uh, breathtaking run-and-gun offense of Coco. And that's going to be an excellent game. Jamie Rogers is a fantastic coach. He's a program builder. He's been to state championship games before, including Baker County. Uh, took his alma mater back there to the state championship game. They lost Plantation American Heritage. They are not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. They have uh, figured they would see Coco at some point again, and it just so happens it comes at 8 o'clock on Friday night uh, in a uh, championship setting in in, uh, Tallahassee. It's going to be a great one down there. And all state championship games are in Tallahassee this year, correct, JB? In Tallahassee this year on the campus of Florida A&M, so – a little bit different uh, setting this season, but um, it's you know it's bounced around Orlando and Tallahassee in the past before, but 
Uh, should be a great environment there. St. Augustine plays Mainland 3 p.m. on Thursday. Mandarin and uh, Columbus Catholic play at 3 p.m. Friday. Actually, coincidentally, the five-year anniversary of those teams meeting in 2018 when Mandarin won 37-35 behind eventual Mr. Football Carson Beck and a great receiver in Demario Douglas. They play at 3 in the Baker. Uh, Bradford and Coco wrap things up Friday night at 8 p.m. A great receiver in Chris Mitchell, too, who's now headed to Notre Dame from FIU that was also a part of that Mandarin team. And since we've had everybody and their mothers sending in on the text line, Design My Lifetime Enclosures, the fact that the Jaguars got whipped by the Detroit Lions and Trevor Lawrence was hurt on December 4th, 2022, and then look at what happened December 4th, 2023. I do think there's some good juju flowing the way of the Mandarin Mustangs, JB, because this is a, a mirror image, correct me if I'm wrong, of that 2018 state title run in which they had to play every playoff game on the road and just dominated their way through Orlando and route to a state title game. They, they did have one at home that year, but this one has been just exceptional. You don't go on the road four times in a row. This is the only team in our area's history that has won four straight playoff games. We've had Teams win three straight on the road, but when they've got to that fourth game, they've not gotten it done. Um, just a remarkable season for Mandarin, the, the Mustangs. They're a special team this year, and you knew it from the beginning. You knew it last year when a lot of they lost the first round of the playoffs to Seminole, and you brought so many guys back with a bad taste in their mouth. Like, we have too much talent to be going out in the first round of the playoffs, and Toby Bullock keeps an offensive coordinator on that 2018 state championship team, and he knows he had something special. But shout out to Mandarin, that ground game. Everything has been working for them. They've got a, a tough defense in uh, Columbus on Friday. Willis McGahee, the fourth, is on that team, and uh, he is a wow. fantastic edge rusher. Uh, 14 sacks for him. So Tremel Jones and that offensive line got a plan to block uh, McGahee there. Hey, JV, real quick before we let you go, um, Toby Bullock, um, he, the, the way he came back, I mean, he was two and 27 at Wolfson, got a second shot. How cool is that story now that he's he's now turning it around again at Mandarin? He's, he's Toby's a great guy, and he had the, the right attitude. Wolfson was his first head coaching job, and again, you're not going to, you know, if you stay at Wolfson, you may have a five and five or six and four season. Wolfson has has had uh, some good seasons recently, but you're just not going to be able to build that program there. Just you don't have the student body, uh, and the the best players are going elsewhere. They want to win, uh, so he came in. I mean, Mandarin was his dream job. Uh, he coached under Bobby Ramsey, and uh, just a great great story for Toby Bullock. He loves it there he's a family guy his kids are at the games wife's at the games cheering it on it's it's just a great scene for toby former offensive lineman at marshall to get it done and to really meld all these guys together and uh and get as much talent as on this team yeah but you still got to get those guys to buy into what you're selling and perform on the field on friday night and he and the coaching staff there has been remarkable happy for toby and uh, that coaching staff at manrith as we wrap up with you, JB, and since we're in the SJC, I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up St. Augustine. The machine rolls on, but obviously a tough test awaits them in a mainland team that has already gotten the best of a couple of our area teams in the regular season. Yeah, mainland, a defensive-heavy team. I mean, they have got guys with unbelievable numbers. I mean, a typical mainland team, they're fast, they're exceptional on defense. This team uh, is no different than that. They beat Barton Trail 28-24 this year and also shut Reigns out. So you know Mainland is excellent. They lost in the championship game last year. to St. Augustine's first title game since 2007. You know, a lot of guys who have played at St. Augustine, even a guy like Brandon James, who is a uh, star running back on the 05 St. Augustine team, the only one to win a state championship at 15-0. Uh, he's the offensive coordinator on this team. So 
the St. Augustine family tree runs deep. So many former players back coaching on this team. It is personal to those guys, and they have just been on a different level this year. Everybody on that team is bought in. The receivers, an embarrassment of riches, Carl Jenkins Jr., Miles Simmons, Trenton Jones, Samorian Wingo, and a very, very good defense. I think they get it done tomorrow afternoon in Tallahassee. Absolutely. Let's hope, and uh, we will be rooting for those Yellow Jackets, Mustangs, and Tornadoes. I think I got all three. JB, thanks so much for joining us. And, of course, thank you for joining us all season long on the I-9 Sports Half Hour. Appreciate you, brother. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Justin. There he goes, Justin Barney. You can find his stuff at newsforjacks.com. The fun doesn't stop with football season. He's got his Super 6 for boys soccer, girls soccer, basketball on both fronts volleyball, and so much more throughout the course of the year. So make sure you follow JB on Twitter and, of course, at newsforjacks.com. All right, got to wrap ours up. Say hello to the Frangie Show, who I believe is also hosting their Toys for Tots drive today. I know they're on location. We'll find out more coming up next when XL Primetime returns. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. So I misspoke. The Frangie Show is at their familiar Wednesday stomping grounds at Island Wings, but I do know their Toys for Tots drive is coming up. So, Frank, you have the floor to plug that and a whole lot more. Yeah. Hey, Mia. We, uh, yeah, it is on Friday. We are live at the <laughs> Ale House. Uh, you guys are there quite often, the one on Beach and Hodges. It's uh, Hastings uh, Injury Law Firm does it every year. Guys, I've lost track of how many years in a row we've done it, but it's a wonderful thing. It, it benefits uh, big brothers and big sisters of Northeast Florida. We're very proud to benefit them. Uh, it, it's unbelievable, Mia. We've had five, six, seven hundred toys over the years per per year, and, and people are already talking about it. So that'll be our drive. We do it every year, uh, and really, Brett Hastings and the folks at the law firm do it. We just we're just there to do a radio show, but uh, they do a wonderful job, and we're very proud of it. And it's this Friday. Uh, from 4 to 7 is when people bring the toys, but actually 3 to 7. We're on 3 to 6, and it's our toy drive, and I appreciate you letting me tell everybody about it because we're very excited about it. All right, brother. It looks like uh, Trevor's walking around without a boot, without a yeah, boot. Yeah, uh, just yeah he's, got a high ankle, he's got a high ankle sprain. That's what he's got. He, it's not terribly unlike what, what Mahomes got against the Jags last year, Matty. That's what it is. He's got a high ankle sprain. We'll see if he plays this week or next week or whenever, but it's a high ankle sprain. My guess, if you ask me, and I don't know if he's going to play, my guess would be it'd be hard this week, but I don't know that. My guess would right. be if he play if he doesn't play this week, and he might. But if he doesn't play this week, I wouldn't think he's going to be out very long. So what looked like like he said today when he met with the media, like Doug said yesterday when he met with the media, what looked like it could have been a disaster. They've avoided the disaster. Now they're not going to have Christian yeah. Kirk, but boy, Matt, they they avoided the big disaster. They, gigantic news uh, is you're is you're trying they're trying to win a Super Bowl. Okay, when you're trying to get deep in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. Not, ha- not having your leader would be gigantic. I don't know if they have him this week, but I think we all know now it's not going to be a long time. Isn't that great news? That's really good news. It's, it's exactly what the doctor ordered, pun intended. Yeah. I've also got a new line, Frank. Um, cats have nine lives. We know he's a Jaguar, but he also was a Clemson Tiger, so he's got 18. Thank goodness. <laughs> he, Thank goodness he well, Frank Gore well, ran for that first yeah. down. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. And let me say this, too, and I'm going to make this point on our show today. You guys probably have as well. It's not always just good luck, Mia. He's in great shape. He's flexible. He's freaking tough. That, that, that's part of this, too, now. That doesn't mean anyone that gets hurt isn't tough. But he's that, that cat wants to play, man, pun intended again. I, that, he wants to be out there. You know, he, he's looking to play. So, uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that today. I got a comment about I never, ever do this. You guys that know me, you've known me a long time. 
I never do this, but I, I never talk about other broadcasters, play-by-play guys, radio guys, whatever. But I got a thought or two about Colin Cowherd that I'm going to get to today, and it's unusual mm. for me. So you might want to you might want to listen in. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Jags Browns. We'll talk about all the guys going to the portal. It's it's scary. All the guys that are in the portal. All that coming up. We're live at Island Wings. Uh, Coconut shrimp is coming, Matt. I know you didn't want me to leave that part out. All coming up in just a bit. Almost as spicy as those wings. Thanks so much, Frank. Okay, guys. Thank you. All right. And without further ado, JJ. Now, today's takeaways. Brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. Uh, my takeaway is he better have 18 lives with the way Fortner and Sheriff and, I mean, Hans and, wow. That offensive line's a mess right now. So let's hope they get it together quickly. Did we not say that about the Texans' offensive line yeah, and they about get it together some quickly. of these others? So. I, I don't disagree, but yeah, man, no, I, I agree with you. They got some issues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my takeaway, besides the just once again amazing, amazing amount of toys here at the Golf Club of Southampton that you guys each and every year are just so generous um, for those in need during the holidays. My other takeaway is the Princely entering uh, the transfer portal. Top edge rusher for the for the Florida Gators. Man me Ellen. Man me Ellen. Thank you for saving me because I, mm-hmm. I just – princely. Although there's sometimes I get princely and Kingsley confused, and I'm like, wait a second, one's the offensive lineman from Need Jacksonville. One's, yes, exactly. Uh, but, no, I, I think it's huge because there were a ton of people who thought, oh, well, he'll leave to go to the draft. Him leaving to go to another institution, that's a bit of a statement and a bit of an indictment yeah. on Billy Napier and Chris Farley and the crew down there in Gainesville. We are out. Mio, Brian, Matt Hayes wrapping things up on XL Primetime. Again, Golf Club of Southampton. The boys are wrapping up on the course as we speak. Thank you so much to everybody who stopped by for our annual Toys for Tots golf outing and drive. If you do have a toy that you weren't able to drop off here at the Golf Club at Southampton, you also can drop it off at 1010 XL World Headquarters, and Joe C. will make sure it gets to the Marines. Until tomorrow, we will catch you later.